this is Solid Snake. And you know, when a soldier's on the battlefield, all he thinks is, who's next? Who's next podcast? Groovy. This is Who's Next Podcast. We are back. Another episode for the gaming books. And I have with me Mr. Kevin. What's up, y'all? Uh, we actually have a Losing Lives, uh, but we're not going to get into it like we normally do on the recording. We pre-recorded one with the guys from the movies and comics. The, lo- the Losing Lives will probably be how I figure it. It'll be two episodes at a time covering The Last of Us. So, the Losing Lives coming up at the end of this episode will cover episodes one and two of The Last of Us show. Right now, as we're recording, the f- the fourth episode should be dropping today. Sometime. Oh, that's like, today? Yeah, later today. It's on Sundays okay. around, like, I think 8 o'clock our time or something like that. Mm, okay. So, The Last of Us is dropping an episode tonight. Um, <clears throat> but we won't be covering that. We'll We'll record on it this Saturday night. Basically, um, yeah, with the guys. So if everything works out right, then that's how it should be. But anyways, um, we're going to go ahead and uh, so we will when we stop, of course, it'll cut to that. And then that's uh, in the past. So just to bring that up on the top. So any listeners know, um, you know, for spoiler purposes, too, because it's still ongoing we recorded before the third episode even dropped. There's no way we can spoil what episode three was about. So, um, I mean, we could spoil it now, but we won't. <laughs> right. But that that was pre-recorded. So I just wanted to mention that on top. Um, all right, we're going to get into some of the news stuff. Was there a certain news topic or anything on, on your mind that you wanted to bring before I've got uh, a few? Here. No, uh, no, I haven't been keeping up on the news cycle because freaking uh, getting ready for the VGC tournament's been eating up all of my time. My yeah, time. yeah, that's about to be me for CEO. I was gonna talk about it later, but I guess we could get into it now. So, and we can kind of talk a bit on both tournaments that we're gonna do. So, because uh, I'm curious too. So, I'm going to the CEO tournament with the nerds. Um, if listeners here, some of y'all listen to Nerds the podcast. If you don't, you should. They're friends of ours. Um, they do a podcast. Again, it's just called Nerds the Podcast. Um, it's Jesse, Aaron, and uh, James, a.k.a. Wasteland. In fact, shout out to Wasteland. Uh, check out his uh, his Twitch. Uh, it's What is it? Twitch.tv at Wasteland. The three is an E, if I'm not mistaken. Is it mm-hmm. just is it just Wasteland? I, know I it think it be. is just Wasteland now. I think yeah. he got rid of the Batman. Yeah, he got rid of the Batman, but I didn't know if he added something different on the end of Wasteland. I'm going to look it up just to make sure off the top of my head. I don't know it that like that, but I want to give him a shout because I know a lot of times we plug nerds, and he's part of nerds, but he does his own Wasteland streaming. Viking. There you now. go. This Wasteland yeah. Viking, the, three, the E is a three. So it's W A S T three. L A N D V I K I N G. You'll see an image, a little gamified image kind of thing of uh, a guy with a beard, with a hat, with a Batman 
It looks like kind of like a Batman shirt. And he has two axes, one in each hand. So uh, that's how you know you found the right one. Uh, shout out to him as well. He's also coming to CEO. They're all they're all going. And uh, I just booked, so I'm going. Um, and this is like a big, it's not as big as Evo, but it is one of the bigger fighting game tournaments that they have, you know, through the year. So it'll be exciting. It'll be my first tournament to go. Um, I'm doing Mortal Kombat 11, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and Street Fighter 6. Um, I think Street Fighter 6 will be interesting because people will only have had two weeks to play it. Huh. Like, it's, it's not coming out to like the beginning of June, like June 6th, I think, or something like that, I want to say is the date. So, with it not coming out till then, the tournament's the 23rd, the weekend of the 23rd of June. So people will literally, like you've had your opportunity to play the beta, which I've played the beta as well as I'm pretty sure many people going there probably have gotten their hands on the beta in some form or fashion. Um, but like right now, nobody can play it until June. So that's going to be the interesting tournament because, you know, there'll be people who definitely pick up on it good and like, you know, we're in the betas and learned tech or whatever, but it's still people going to be rusty. That's going to be the kind of the most fairest to be able to try and compete in. Um, so I, I went ahead and did that. Uh, MK11, Mortal Kombat, I, I'm pretty good in MK, just as like a, a casual though. Like, I don't think I'm tournament good. Um, but I do think I might be able to etch a win or two out because I, I do pretty well with Mortal Kombat. Um, and then Marvel's Capcom 3, I mean... I used to play the shit out of that with Eric for years and I'm, I know there's savages out there with it. So, but I think I might be able to, I think I might be able to eke out a win maybe, you know, but I definitely don't, I'm, I'm not kidding myself. I am sure I'm not making like top eight, you know, or anything like that. That's not in the cards. <laughs> hey, you, you might never know. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> no, nah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Because I watch this shit. Like, I know. But, um, <clears throat> but no, it'd Look, be a fun got it, I'm sure if you got into it the way that I'm into Pokemon, you can make top. Because I've made top eight at freaking uh, the regionals, like the local re mm. regionals for VGC Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, I made top eight that one year. I've done it once. The rest of the time, I usually make like top 16. Okay. Um, okay. That's cool. Yeah. The rest. Yeah. So, um, but know. I'm like real into it. You know, me and Eric, we spend so much time grinding and practicing yeah. and strategizing against each other and everything. And like, if you got into it like that, I'm sure you could get up there, dude. Yeah, maybe. I would have to really play it though every day and like really learn. Cause so the guys who are going to make it to the top eight know the frame data and all that. I don't know it to that degree. It like, I, I like to practice and get down a lot of combos and I can get down some pretty decent combos for, to maximize damage. But my biggest problem is learning the best ways to implement that in the fundamentals and stuff like that. So, I mean, I've got months to practice before it's going, at least in two of the games. Uh, Street Fighter Six, I really, I can't practice it till June. Like, I can play Street Fighter Five. The only problem is, like, it'll give me some kind of, like, um, edge, I guess, to help out playing Street Fighter Five a bit. But uh, the movesets are different. Like, uh, I really have been liking Luke, who's one of the the last characters to show up in Street Fighter Five, and he's kind of the face to six, the face of six. So I'm interested in doing that, uh, in playing with Luke. And Luke plays similar in five than he does in six, but there are some pretty, you know, 
key differences in, in a number of factors. So, like, it's you would still be able to help with maybe getting some timing down on combos, but even that, it's, it's still a little different. So, it'll be um, it'll be interesting. Um, but I'm I'm excited to go. Uh, me and me and the wife are going, so we're gonna go a little early. So you know. Because it's right there at Daytona Beach, too. So my wife definitely would want to see just some of the other things. She's not as into the gaming shit and all that kind of stuff. But um, she's going with me just to kind of, you know. And those are the thing I like. I don't do too much of this at all. I mean, I really wanted to go to E3 for years. I mean, I, when I was young, I used to always think about going there when I'd see little magazine right. articles about E3 and stuff. And I just never did. And yeah. I should have. I mean, technically, I could have put the finances together to do it. If I had pushed, I guess, but and now it's dead basically. Like I'm not, I don't have it in the news cycle, but I mean that's been hitting the news cycle that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo are all not coming to E3 this year. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, been in the rumor that's been in the, the news cycle. I don't yeah. know if it's, it hasn't been confirmed. I, I don't think, know. Right? I think you're right. I don't know if it's been confirmed. Uh, and like I said, I don't have it in the cycle, but it's some of the the, the news going, making the rounds, at least the rumors, like you said. And I wouldn't be surprised, though, because Sony and Xbox and Nintendo all do their own directs and stuff like that now. It's kind of yeah. meaningless to do E3 now because you, you can develop your own platform and put your news out when you want to and not just at this one point. But reading yeah. about the history of gaming, because I do read... Like, I like to read books and stuff about, like, the history of gaming and where it's been, where it's ideas of where it's going and all this kind of stuff. And it's it's fascinating because E3 was such a big part of it because that, that was the, the big stage to show what you had. It was, you know, kind of the, it, it, may, it could make a break. Uh, in fact, I mean, it's, still kind of believe that that one moment when Sony came out with the the pricing uh, for the PlayStation 1 when I think it was, what, Sega Saturn was coming out and, it, and that, like, just yeah. shit all over it. And it was bad. I, I mean, that kind of, it was started, it, that moment didn't, like, kill the company. But it was that, it was a big moment that led to its, basically, its demise in some sense. Like, it's Sega's still around, but not as a console, you know, not not as a console competitor. It's in software now. Yeah, Sega so. made a lot of other mistakes that like kind of led up to yes. that moment. But yeah, that kind of was like one of the final nails in the coffin for Sega as a console, as a hardware developer. Yeah, and so it's just interesting that like E3 was big like that. I mean, how Nintendo's had so many big moments that are like memorable uh, at E3. Um, so it's. <clears throat> It's it's definitely a shame to see stuff like that go. I know um, some people kind of boohoo the whole idea of the showmanship of everything. Like, oh, it's boring. It's dumb. I've heard that. Like when uh, they renounced The Last of Us and had like this whole like concert. I kind of like that shit. I like seeing it, tuning in on the streams and stuff for it because it's just like a celebration of the thing. I'm I'm always, you know, my big hobby I love to do, gaming. Yeah. So um, I'm always here for it. I don't, I don't really give a shit. Um, but you know, so I think there's a lot who don't seem to care or whatnot, and that that kind of stuff. It's it's all about making money. And if you're not getting the views yeah. and 
selling ads and all that kind of shit. You know, it, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like red carpet events for Hollywood and shit. Like when they premiere freaking, I don't know, Avengers or whatever, like everybody's yeah. on the red carpet and everything. I mean, video game, the industry's got to have their own thing. It's the same thing with music, right? Like when um, yeah, yeah. big music stars premiere their new albums and shit. So like video, I don't see anything wrong with it either. Video games got to have their big events too to kind of hype everything up. Yeah, it's all about that. It's all that hype train. Um yeah, I remember when Gears 3 released and they had this thing on Spike TV, I want to say, that was a big like release um, coverage. And they were going to places that had lines out the door, like trying to get the the end of the trilogy of Gears, basically. I mean, they ended up doing four and five. Yeah. But that, was, that first three, though, was kind of the big trilogy of it. And um, I remember seeing that release. It got me hyped, and I went and got the game, you know? Like, just kind of seeing everybody all hyped up on it. I was like, fuck, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get Gears 3, too. And, like, you know, because I've played 1 and 2. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, that stuff's yeah. cool. So, um, you know, that with that being said, there's a long tangent back to, like, I missed E3, basically. And, and this still might happen in some form or fashion that maybe I can go. But it's especially of Nintendo sony and xbox all pull out like it's not gonna be the same this is it's just not gonna be the same you yeah because they don't really need like you said they don't really need to i could see e3 maybe coming more of a third party thing because like uh or or more just know, for like hey everybody we're gonna put on this kind of like um almost like a comic convention but for games and yeah, like it, it turns into some, something like that where you people pay to come in and like a lot of indies have their games. So it's something that like, oh, you can see what new indie developers are doing stuff and they can kind of come in for that. And then you might get a couple of big name games that show up from, like you said, third parties and it becomes something like that. But instead of being like a prominent part of the news cycle and releases, it's going to be more for fanfare you know yeah stuff like yeah because some games you can't really you don't really get them you don't really click unless you actually play them and that's the big advantage of e3 is actually yeah. having a lot of these games on the show floor yeah right? it's your chance to put your game in the hands of people on the shore on the show floor yes so, and then yeah it would have a specific like for this or maybe just other like new technology too that's not necessarily completely game related it could just be it's electronic expo like a lot of times we think video games but you know the there has been other like things released on those show floors that just weren't exactly games just new tech yeah. so it could it can definitely evolve into something like that but it won't it won't be the same if all the the big you know console companies pull out it's not going to be like why i would want to go but nonetheless i you know i've watched fighting game tournaments i've watched evos for years i've watched other ceos for years um and just other random tournaments i mean hell i used to get super heavy into mortal Kombat, where i would just watch tournaments the online tournaments and stuff they would organize i would just youtube it all the time just watching tournaments watching tournaments just watching how yeah. the professionals play the the fucking game and like go in the lab and practice combos, practice combos and all that shit. So I think I do stand a chance to win a match or two. I definitely don't think I'll be top eight. If I if I get top eight, I will be so fucking surprised. Like that would be insane. And it would probably boost our fucking podcast a bit because then people would wonder who the fuck is that guy. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I've never done a tournament. But it, it's I'm like 99.99% sure 
there's no way I'm making a top eight in any of this shit. Um, but, um, uh, anyways, I think it's gonna be fun. Uh, and like you said, you've made top eight once and you're in the top 16 a lot with your Pokemon tournaments. And that's happening later this month, right? Yes. It's happening in the, uh, the 25th and the 26th is the, the two days for the tournament. But, mm. you know, I'm probably going to take uh, an extra day off from work just to make sure I get back in time, you know, for my, my, my next ship. Um, and, uh, that's going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah I'm gonna be there. It's, it's usually a big, you know, thing, big up. I forget what convention center it's at, but it's usually a big thing. Yeah. They usually have like vendors and stuff there selling Pokemon shit and like, you know, um, a bunch of different other artworks and everything. And then the tournament itself is both the the video game and the uh, trading card game. Usually both tournaments happen at the same time. And it's through, um, it's like a point style. It's not elimination style, right? So it's not like if you lose, you get knocked out of the tournament. That's not the way it is. It's uh, you... Uh, they tally up like so many how many points you have from like your wins and your losses, uh, and like if you make an if you get if you earn enough points, you get to go on to the next round. You know that's your placement. And if you make top eight, you go on to the next round. Um, yeah. And I think from there, if you make like I think like it's the top four or something like that that goes on to be go into nationals. You get to the national tournament. So yeah, no shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool um like i know a lot of people like a pokemon it's just like a casual thing and it's huge like yeah it's got a huge casual following but like yeah. the, the competitive scene is getting bigger i think as the the games are getting more and more mainstream on on consoles and everything yeah. and they're making the competitive element of it much more accessible now because uh back in like when they first started doing these competitive things with black and white on uh ds like it was hard to train these pokemon and like get them like, it would take a lot of fucking time. Like, it would take more time than it would normally would just, you know, playing through the game. Would, yeah. You'd spend 100 hours just kind of training uh, a team. Uh, but now it's not it's not as hard. Uh, they, they give you a lot of shortcuts with, uh, like, hyper-trading. Um, and it gets pretty deep. Like, there's EVs and IVs and stuff, which... Uh, IVs is just basically like a whole... It's like a whole nature versus nurture thing. Uh, IVs, you can think of, like, the genetics of a Pokemon... Um, whereas like mm. a Pokemon's born with either one through 31 IVs and a, a single stat. And, uh, it, that determines like the potential of that stat, like how high it can go. So naturally you want Pokemon that have 31 and as many IVs as possible. Mm. Um, so that way you kind of get the best genetics and the only way to do that is through breeding. Uh, and you know, you kind of do all the, the selective breeding and shit to try to get the best Pokemon. And then... EVs is effort points, which is um, what you get from actually training them. When you fight other Pokemon and you defeat them in the wild, you get a certain amount of EVs from defeating that Pokemon. Either one, two, or three, usually. Uh, and you use that to train specific stats. Like, defeating a Diglett might give you one point in speed, and defeating, you know, a freaking Arcanine, I think, is one point in attack. So, you know, if you want to train a Pokemon that's both fast but high attack speed, you'd have to go fight a bunch of Diglets and Arcanines. Mm. And that's basically what it is. Uh, that's the, like a very condensed version of like what it is to train a Pokemon. Um, and because it goes into more of that. You got to like, look at the meta, like what moves, what kind of Pokemon are allowed, which Pokemons are banned. Get to know the meta and try to come up with a team and a strategy. And then a lot of it goes into just practice. Just practicing, learning what other people are running out there. And how to out predict your opponent. 
So. Is there a lot of ways to find that out through like watching other people's streams or just YouTube stuff or like how are you just, is there online functions that you play other people and see what they're running? Yes. The, there's the online ranking ladder in the, in the game. Oh, okay. It's always had the, yeah, there's an online ranking ladder. You can go online and you can bring your team and they got, different formats there's like uh, a casual format where you can use anything and then there's like the official format where you have to use like tournament legal pokemon hmm. um yeah, so you can go online you could do that and of course there's a big youtube presence for pokemon the competitive side too so you can go online you can hear people talk about analyze these different teams just like um yeah. uh he doesn't need my shout out but one of the guys i i watch a lot is uh aaron cybertron zane uh i've been watching him since um kind of starting he covers a lot of the championship teams because the series one was in um was in january i think series one was december and january uh and they're they were covering a lot of the champion teams from that series and they were kind of breaking them down i was kind of looking at it just kind of keep the eye on the meta me and eric are going to be doing series two which just started which starts this month at uh started at the beginning on like the fourth it just started um and that format changes a little bit because it allows um what they call paradox pokemon which are basically just um existing pokemon that they kind of rehash to be stronger and more competitive it's kind of more geared towards the competitive scene but they kind of got their own entries um and they were banned in series one but now they're being allowed in series two so we're kind of trying to get you know a handle on like what we're going to do and what we're going to use and Mm. yeah there's yeah there's a lot that goes into it uh, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely always fun to get into some of these competitive scenes because you really you know you dig deep into the real mechanics of the game. It's kind of why I like playing games on the hardest difficulty as well. Yeah, because it's all because like it it forces you in, in a lot of ass in a lot of times not always but a lot of times it does force you to like actually push into the 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 mechanics of the game in a way that most people, if you play it on normal or easy, like you're not going to, you're not going to get to, you know, you may yeah. not like, Oh, when I'm doing dark soul, soul level one runs, like I'm doing one in dark souls three, like certain bosses fight different. You'd start noticing more of their mechanics and structure and how they were designed that. Like if you just went up normal leveled or whatever, you kind of blow through it and you're like, Oh shit. You know, I didn't realize it worked actually like this when you're doing a soul level one run, which makes it, you know, interesting. Uh, and it just makes it different and interesting to, for me, in my opinion. And I think it's the same thing in a competition. You're especially like with fighting games or like even with Pokemon here when you're playing other people. Now you're playing other humans that are pushing the game to its like maximum potential. Whether it's, you know, comboing somebody or breeding the best Pokemon or whatever the case is, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're experimenting and finding things that can give you the edge and, like, it kind of frames a game in a different way. And it's oh, fascinating. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I, I yes. really hope good luck to you and Eric as um, probably by the next recording, we'll probably have to wait till you get back and... Um, we'll be doing another recording whenever you're back from that, uh, that trip. So you can talk a bit more on that. Yeah. Um, and, and how it went. Um, cause I know it's beginning Feb right now and then typically we do it every other week. So we might have to actually talk about that. We might do another recording kind of an extra one ahead so that we can let just skip while you do that. But we'll talk about that off mic, but, uh, no, it's, it's good. So, 
Um, but that's kind of where it is, CEO. Uh, and I'm looking forward to actually meeting the nerds crew and whoever else can make it. I know Nana. I wish I could go. I wish I could go just so I could meet all the all the guys and everything. Yeah. Uh, um, but Nana, that's actually going to be during the weekday, the week. So I don't know if I'd even be able to take off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of vacation time to use. So I'm able to do that. <clears throat> so I'm thankful for that. Um, so, yeah. And I'm hoping Nana can make it. Uh, I know he's trying. So shout out to Blurs R Us. Nana is over there. You guys got to meet Nana too. I'm gonna to be so fucking jealous. <laughs> Patrick did actually. Patrick went to the UK and actually met Nana. So he got to meet Nana before. I, I have yet to. So um he lives across the ocean, man. It's just one of those things. But um yeah, it, it would be really great if he's able to make it. I know he's come over the States before, uh, but I think to Chicago for like a C two E two thing. Um and and he's met some of the because he follows um, a different podcast, uh, Pop Culture Leftovers, um, which is kind of a really they're kind of steadily growing and, and like a pretty big podcast uh, that has like a pretty big community. For a lot of the people from Nerds, like pop like pop culture. From my understanding, I could be wrong about this. I don't want to make it sound any type of way, but I think a lot of listenership. I think Aaron and Jesse have a good relationship with the guys who started Pop Culture Leftovers, and a bit of their listenership comes from that podcast, from how it seems. I know a lot of people are part of like the Leftover Army, is what they call it. And it's their like listeners who are like, you know, hardcore fans that I think it's like a Facebook page and stuff for them that they share things about movies and stuff. It's really more movie centric. They don't really talk much about video games and stuff like that. Um, so, and I, I've listened to the podcast a few times um, with the leftovers and um, uh, pop culture leftovers, and they're uh, and it's a good it's a good podcast. Like they go in deep. Like I, I've heard them really break down. Like you know, if you want to know all the upcoming like Marvel movies, DC stuff, and not just the comic book stuff, just like any film, really, they they go in on it. So um, I don't know how much they do on anime. I haven't, li- I've listened to a couple episodes. Um, definitely when I was driving trucks, I had a lot more time and, and I listened to a bit more of them than what I do now. Um, but um, I know that they're all kind of, that's kind of where a lot of them met. I, I found out about nerds in a different way. Uh, I just kind of stumbled on their podcast. Um, but <clears throat> anyways, uh, it'd be great to finally meet them. Uh, all all those guys we've been talking and podcasting for years now, so um, yeah, it'll be good. Um, anyways, so on to some um news topics here. Uh, this one's pretty funny. I thought. I think for some reason I feel like somebody on this pod we might have talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm not sure we did. I don't I don't remember, but I feel like I heard something about this. Um, so in a documentary, Golden Era, um, various subjects involved with or informed on the creation of Rare's classic James Bond video game, GoldenEye, tell some amazing and wild stories about its creation. Uh, the re-released Rare video game has done a lot of information, a lot of interesting information to dig into, including the story of how Nintendo was worried about violence and even considered canceling GoldenEye 007 outright. So the author yeah. and games journalist Simon Parkin shared the whopper of a tale 
you're about to read. Uh, do you know this story? Mm, no, uh, but I can see I, it kind of makes sense because uh, GoldenEye came out in, what, 96? I think yeah. it was, like, like 96. So it ought to yeah. been right around the time of the big violent stink in video games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's kind of part of it. So uh, Miyamoto, actually, um, go ahead. This is the story. So there's a very well-known story uh, that Martin Hollis tells about late into the game's development, receiving a fax from Shigeru Miyamoto, who is still the most famous video game designer in the world, and certainly was at the time sort of giving us feedback on GoldenEye and saying he doesn't like the violence. This is all quote. I'm sorry, I am quoting uh, from the article they wrote. This is a quote from what uh, this person said, uh, Parkin, um, uh, Simon Parkin, the journalist. Um, this is his quote. So uh, going into quote again. Okay. So uh, Miyamoto, who is still the most famous video game designer in the world and certainly was at the time, sort of giving us feedback on GoldenEye saying doesn't like the violence. Uh, quote. He says it sort of feels tragic and is there no way that at the end of the game, you as Agent 007 can visit the hospital ward where all of the people that you've taken down during the course of the game were sort of holed up? And can you not work your way down the bed shaking everyone's hands? It's obviously a very funny story, <laughs> but it also illustrates, I think, something about Nintendo and Miyamoto's approach to video game design and probably their nervousness about a game like GoldenEye appearing on their flagship hardware. And so the article continues. Could you imagine dropping an entire satellite on Alec Trevelin after his attempts to murder and betray you only to meet up with him and his lackeys in a hospital? <laughs> <laughs> shake yeah, hands with like, oh. Sean Bean and just be like, hey. <laughs> so, I mean, sorry I dropped the satellite on you. We good? We good? We're still friends, right? I would so love, you know what? I think I, I think what I've heard is somebody made a joke about doing this as a game on a different podcast. And uh, th th that would be fantastic. I, I would love for them to re-release GoldenEye with an extra level where you're going through the hospital ward, like slappers only, and just like putting your hand out to shake, like you had to high five all the people that you shot through the whole entire game. And there's a trophy you get at the end for doing it. Like they should, they should attach a oh, trophy. You know, what that, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me, that makes me think of uh snake eater in the end. No, not the end. The, uh, the sorrow where during his boss fight, I know you know this, that during his boss fight, uh, if you kill a bunch of people, all of their spirits. Oh yes. River. Yes. And so, yeah, if you, it, it, it kind of hurts you in the boss fight cause you have more people to kind of go through. Right. Or something like that. Like, yeah. So if the, you like don't if you, kill anybody, like if, you're, there's nobody in there at the, at that boss fight. Yeah. I, I know yes. what you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, it is. But in this one, yeah, that would be interesting if like they remade the game, and it remembers how many people you killed throughout the game of 007. And then that, at the end, you're going through the hospital and having to shake all the people that you actually killed in-game. And it has a count. It has a count of all the people. And, yeah. like, with that game, good Lord. So I actually played a little bit of it on the Switch. God damn, do I, I have forgot how far we've come with dual analog sticks used to to look <laughs> in yes. a first person shooter holy fuck man going back to playing with one stick 
And then using like the buttons, like the Y and the A button to strafe left and right and the X and B to look up and down because those were the C buttons on the Nintendo 64 controller. And like, well, it's the closest analog we have on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. So it it is so weird, dude. It, It took me a minute to get a hold of it. I'm sitting there trying to get headshots. I'm like, oh, yeah, you just. You don't get headshots in this. You don't. You don't. You're not really supposed to. You're just shooting well, people. That, well, that's why the enemies are so dumb. Even on the N64 controller, yeah. like it's not the best setup. Like no. the enemies are so stupid. Like you hold Z to go into targeting mode, and yeah. you kind of try to line things up, and you got to lock yourself in place in order to really kind of aim. Yeah. So that's why the enemies do all these stupid rolls and everything, and they yeah, they're freaking yeah. they're. Yeah, their accuracy rate is just terrible because if they made the computer actually competent, you would never get through the fucking game. Like you, yeah. like nobody would have ever beat Goldeneye on the fucking sixty four. Oh yeah, no, it would have been so crazy. Like, dude, just going back to it is so just fuck, man. Uh, I know Patrick said on a recent podcast about like wanting to try and play that. Uh, I would like to try and play with him, see if we can't even stream it. And play some GoldenEye, like just go one-on-one or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, if you can join in, too. I heard, I believe, the Switch. So, on the Xbox, apparently, there is no online function. No. But on the Switch, I think there is. Yeah, it's uh, online only is for Switch. It's it's online is only for Switch. Uh, And that's what I said the funny part about the game is, is that on Xbox, apparently you get the superior single player experience because. Yes, that's what he was saying, too. Patrick was making that comment that you get a superior experience on the Xbox because it's a better like port over or something like that. Right. Yes, it's a better port because it was actually done by. um, Shoot, I'm blanking on their damn name. I knew their name. Let me freaking. But uh, it was actually ported by a company. and yeah, we're they, like you know, this up, one is just like the ROM. In fact, actually, yeah, I the, think we talked about it. In fact, I think we're going to talk about this again because I think we talked about it in the episode of the 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 losing lives because you were on oh. there with Patrick, and I think we talked about it there. So it, I'm pretty sure it's actually in that episode. So we might be retreading stuff for listeners. So I, oh I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't actually worry about it too much because I'm pretty sure that we actually talk about this. We didn't talk about the slappers, I don't think, because I have it here in my notes. I think he texted that later after we did the recording. So I'm pretty sure that wasn't. And if it is, well, you get to hear the story twice. Sorry, listeners. But um, yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. Like, I actually want to try and watch that documentary now. I'm gonna try and see if I can't get a hold of it and uh, watch. Because that's pretty fascinating. That was such a big game when it came uh, as a first-person shooter, like GoldenEye. Like, that really kicked things off for, like, consoles. Like, first-person shooters were... Yeah, first-person shooters were around with your Wolfensteins and Doom and all that stuff. But I don't... I think GoldenEye was the first, like, first-person shooter that really swept consoles or, like, Nintendo players. Well, yeah, because Nintendo was the thing back then, right? Like, yeah. you got to mm-hmm. think like before that. Well, there, there, there was like the Doom port of uh, there was a port of Doom on like the PS One, but it wasn't very good. Because mm. um, like the graphics were pretty shitty because of the way the PS One handles uh, handles yeah. graphics. Um, but then before that, there was like the Doom. Really, it was all Doom port. There was the Wolfenstein and Doom port for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. But none of them really, you know, none of them really caught on because that was, I mean, FPS is working a PC thing, right? Yeah, like yeah. back then you would, 
you, it's not necessarily mouse and keyboard because back then all FPSs were made to be played well, with keyboard. Also, only. they were just more violent, and, and like Nintendo was really yeah. trying to shy away from that kind of stuff. Like Nintendo was not porting Doom over, and PlayStation One came out fairly late in the console, like in the beginning, because Nintendo's been out with the console since like the eighties in America. Yeah. Like, so <clears throat> it, it just it's just kind of a fascinating thing to 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 see and, and to hear about with like GoldenEye and how important it was as a first person shooter for consoles. I mean, um, yeah, for console. And then the thing, the big thing about GoldenEye was actually it's multiplayer. Uh, it really kind of helped pioneer. Multiplayer yeah, that's, in these that's games. yeah, that's true. That was one of the biggest things is that you can plug up with your buddies. I mean, the N64 had four slots for four N64 controllers to plug in. I think even PlayStation when it first if came I'm out, correct, only had I two, you, right? Yeah. Um, I think, I think also correct. that was new. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was also a new invention of the split screen for TVs and consoles was with 64 that they yes, kind of yeah. made that work, uh, which was yeah, because a lot of N64 beforehand. games were were like that. Because like you said, you could plug up four controllers and play. And if I'm thinking correctly, the N64 has a LAN port on it, so I think you could actually hold LAN parties on your N64. Oh yeah, you know what? I think you I think you might be right about that that you could actually connect the 64 in that way and have like a bigger party. Yeah. So it was it was a pretty substantial game for Nintendo, first person shooters, you know, Nintendo. And then Halo is what really set things apart for first person shooters when that dropped on Xbox and everything about dual analog sticks to look and move and shit like that. And mm-hmm. thank God for that. Uh, because going back to GoldenEye is like, whoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you play GoldenEye on the Switch, you kind of need that N64 controller because there's, yeah. there's a workaround for it yeah. that, uh, that you can do with remapping the buttons and changing the control scheme. Yeah, the you, and you talked about this one, and in the ep- and, uh, later end of this episode, we'll be retreading this. So, um, But yes, there is. Um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you, but like, I, I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I want to retread too much over stuff that listeners are going to come across at the end of this episode. Uh, but anyways, I thought I'd bring that up for this. Um, okay, uh, I figured we cover this. I don't know how much we're going to talk into this one, but I figured we I'd bring it up because we talked about this before. So everybody's been talking about the Activision Blizzard deal. Okay, but originally, yeah. though, before the deal happened with Xbox or is trying to happen, there was a lawsuit in the. California was going after um uh actually the SEC uh going after Activision Blizzard about you know workplace misconduct conduct and violating whistlepl- whistleblower protection rule. Um, there was a lot of crazy stories that were coming out about all the weird shit, uh, the fucked up shit they were doing to like the female employees there. Uh, and like the kind of toxic work environment it was. So apparently it looks like that kind of got sorted out. Um, this is on IGN. They says the SEC has been looking into the Activision Blizzard situation since 2021. And appa- apparently now Activision Blizzard has been charged $35 million by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for, quote, failing to maintain disclosure controls related to complaints of workplace misconduct and violating whistleblower protection rule, end quote. Um, the SEC, SEC shared the news in a press release stating that Activision Blizzard agreed to pay $35 million to settle its violations and the charges stem from issues dating back to 2016. 
quote, according to the SEC's order between 2018-2021, Activision Blizzard was aware that its ability to attract, retain, and motivate employees was a particularly important risk in its business, but it lacked controls and procedures among its separate business units to collect and analyze employee complaints of workplace misconduct, end quote. And that's what the SEC wrote, uh, excuse me, wrote. Um, and it just kind of goes on a bit about other little happenings um, and about what they violated. You can read more in the article if you'd like, listeners. It's on IGN. Um, so it's just kind of a little uh, extra add-in to it. They kind of talk a bit here about the frat boy culture. And, we, and we've talked about this. This was the rumors and stuff. So apparently... It's kind of been confirmed and like um, uh, settled. I believe they just kind of did settled on this. I don't know if it just went like completely to trial from my understanding. And also, it doesn't really say in here, unless I missed it. Um, let's see. Let's see. As a result, Activision Blizzard was said to have violated Exchange Act rules 13A, 15A, and 21F17. The company did not admit or deny the SEC's filing. Instead, it just agreed to a cease and desist order and to pay $35 million penalty. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Basically, they chose not to rock the boat. They were just like, yeah, yeah. we're your freaking. It's like, play, like, it seems like they just played kind of played no contest. And, yeah, just paid it. Do- and I don't know who that gets paid to. Does Are they going to, SEC is going to give that to the, the people hurt? Um, they just slap the company and the SEC gets the money. I, I'm not like sure what happens to that. I don't know if there's any restitution for the people that were hurt in this, as well as like, I think the civil I, there, case there, is there a doesn't seem thing. to be any, yeah, you might be right. Civil case might be a separate thing. So uh, I, yeah, I don't know what's happening on those ends. Um, I don't also know, like there doesn't seem to be any address. Like here's a plan of action on how we're not going to do this. There's just that we're going to stop being bad. <laughs> yeah. It's $35 million. We won't be bad anymore. Bye. Like that, that's all it sounds. There's no like, you know, SEC demands or required like, you know, uh, outline of like, how are they going to address these things and be better or something like that. It's just, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know. It's typical. Yeah. It's typical of the, of the games industry. It's just like when, um, the games industry all came together to make the rating board that is actually run by the games industry. So it's yeah. like the games, the, the industry has always policed itself. So it's not surprising to me that these kind of frat boy cultures have kind of fostered because I mean, you got to think about it in early days of gaming, it was all fucking dudes. It was just all dudes, like 20 something mm-hmm. dudes in the nineties, fresh out of college, fucking working these companies and kind and of a even lot of creating them, all these companies. And a lot of them were these kind of like these, um, these guys that just some of them didn't go to college some did and some of them yeah. just were building like a game and they were just kind of like nobodies and all of a sudden became like millionaires overnight some there's some stories a lot of stories about that like even with um id software and who made like doom and all that there were a bunch of programmers that were just making some money doing some like excel file shit and like putting out little games for some other company down in shreveport and um, they weren't really anything until they put out like Wolfenstein. And I mean, in fact, they actually did a game before that. It was a platformer. It was a uh, kid something. Um, 
I'm spacing on what the game was. There's a game they did together before Wolfenstein, but Wolfenstein was the big one that really started taking off for them. And then Doom. Uh, Kid Cool, I think it is. Was it Kid Cool? No, or... that's not it. It's it's no, it's uh... it's about a kid, and it's kind of like a space thing, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember. Um, it's like on the tip of my tongue right now, but I don't really want to sit here trying to remember think, it. Yeah, I can't think of it. If either. you just look up, just look up. Um, id software kid something like if you start typing that it might pop up for you or whatever but if you just want to get it um but yeah like uh, you know you hear about them where all of a sudden like uh john carmack and john romero were like having Ferrari. commander king commander king that's what it is i'm that's sorry it is, yeah. Kid. yeah but that's it. i couldn't think of it yeah commander king that's right and uh but you hear about them like having ferraris and i think they had like some kind of doom competition where their one of their ferraris was the prize if I'm not mistaken, there was like a tournament yeah. for Doom that had that. So like they and you hear a couple stories like that. Like I heard Square Soft when they started blowing up. I was reading a book about like when they were blowing up, they literally put like bought some kind of fucking crazy ass place in Hawaii where they built their like um development studio, I think for yeah. for America. And like if you wanted to get the computer mainframes and shit out of the building, you'd have to get a helicopter and pull it out of the fucking roof. Like you couldn't get it out <laughs> any type of way. I guess it was some crazy story. It was just about the the money they had and would just throw around. And when you and you do that with a lot of these guys that are just these programmers, shut ins that like, you know, all they did was play on the computer and they probably didn't have much of that social life in school. Now they have this kind of power and everything. I, I, I'm assuming that's what it is. It, I'm, I'm armchair psychology here. I don't, I'm not able to truly determine this without sitting down and talking with people. And I couldn't do that. A psychologist would have to, but it's, it's, it, it just seems to write itself as far as like the low, how this is happening or why this is happening. Definitely seems to follow this kind of pattern. I mean, I've listened to a lot of like podcasts where they've talked to like, you know, big name game developers who are heads of studios and like you almost hear the same story on repeat where like, yeah, yeah. I started with like the Apple computer back in the eighties or something like that. And like they built little games for that and would send it to the, like such a mag, like a magazine. Um, I mean, the tech industry at large is you hear that kind of story. Yeah. They're the same story. I mean, think about how fucking Google started. Back yeah. in like freaking what was it like ninety five or something Google started it was just two guys programming in their fucking garage, yeah. It was just two, just two nerds. That, that's that's now, that's how it is, and a lot of a lot of these game studios are that too. You're you're absolutely right, and then it becomes this multi million dollar thing or billion dollar thing, and like there's people now working for them, and and these they they had no like management training or like any. They're just guys, and it doesn't excuse it. I'm not like, ah, oh, we should give them a break. It's you know, it it sucks that then they put other people who work for them and help their company become bigger and bigger in these situations that are very uncomfortable or borderline criminal or even just criminal, and like, um, it's crazy. But it it happens too often. It seems as more and more stories come out. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So, I mean, Microsoft definitely is going to have, sounds like a mess on their hands potentially of what they're going to get. And that's why some people were championing, championing, 
um, Microsoft taking over Activision Blizzard because of this toxic workplace. And uh, what was his name? Bobby Kotick, I think, is the name of the guy who was running yeah. Activision Blizzard at the time because he was implemented in some of this stuff, too. And we've in earlier podcasts, we've covered this story a few times, talked about it because it is like such a big story. It's one of the biggest gaming companies, if not the biggest gaming company in the world right now. Um, so it's pretty big. A lot of people employed in gaming, that's their job is Activision Blizzard. You know, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's... that they employ a majority of people who work on games. So like having that, like I know people were excited because Microsoft seems to have a better employee workplace as far as reports are concerned. I mean, Microsoft's got its shit too. But, um, and you can go down a rabbit hole with Bill Gates, you know, whatever. But, um, it, it, hopefully that if they do come in the fold with Microsoft, you know, it gets cleaned up and producing like better stuff, you know? Um, yeah, because they did that with Bethesda and Zenimax when they bought them. They, actually, they also you know, had bullshit with them, right? Yeah, they did. Um, and they they cleaned all a lot of that up. They kind of helped them. They're one of the only, I think, companies. Yeah, I think the Microsoft, Xbox, I should say. Not, not, I don't know if it's Microsoft as a whole, but at least the Xbox branch kind of supports the idea of unions. and. Um, yeah, they have the, come uh, out industry. saying that. But there's, there, there's some fuckery with that, though, too. Not to push yeah. back on unions, but to push back on. There was also this thing. Uh, that Microsoft did where they they were giving their employees, uh, I think it's Microsoft, unlimited vacation. Yeah. But that, apparently, that gives them some kind of out in having to pay out for vacation time or something like that. or Not a vacation uh, out, or something with the unions. There, there is some kind of fuckery. I was hearing somebody break it down. Uh, that's something you can look into. I, I'm not going to get too far into it because I, I, I don't fully know. I remember hearing this. Somebody was explaining it to me, and I was like, oh, shit, like I didn't realize that but i don't remember all the specific details of being able to to say it again on this podcast but because up front it sounds cool what a limited vacation but it's like oh no this is like some way they're able to kind of cut around i think something to even do with the unions that they're so pro about they're just finding ways of dealing with unions and then having the public face to be, hey, we're union pro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm not uh I'm not sure of the specific details. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's not as bad as what it seems. It's but somebody was explaining something uh, something about that about this unlimited vacation, and it has some kind of like loophole for them with dealing. I, I believe with with unions and stuff. So um, as far as like certain benefits or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, Microsoft has this fuckery too. So, I mean, nothing's going to be perfect and special. I mean, everybody's trying to get an extra buck. Apparently. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not here to fix that world problem. It's just an ongoing problem. But anyways, um, I just thought I'd bring that up cause we've covered this and this is the Activision Blizzard stuff. We've talked about it multiple times and there's been some kind of solution, at least from the sec on what they were going against about the misconduct uh, from Activision Blizzard, so it's kind of interesting to see. Um, all right, we've got a few more here. Uh, Forbes, this is kind of interesting as we talk a bit about quote unquote console wars and such. Um, uh, it's the it's the sales data for uh, PlayStation has come out, and apparently, this article was written from Forbes um, February third. 
So pretty recent. And apparently PlayStation 5 sales are now at 32 million with 7.1 million consoles sold over the last three months alone. It's a dramatic increase over the 3.9 million sold in the same quarter last year. <clears throat> so it kind of yeah, goes more the- towards the, you know, Sony's come out and said, hey, we're not having the supply shortages anymore. And it seems like they're not wrong. In yeah, that. the effects of the pandemic are kind of starting to soften now more and more as the years go on. So, yeah. They're getting more supply chains, so of course people are starting to get more. I mean, economy's rough right here and yeah. now in the freaking U.S., but people are kind of getting a more disposable income to spend on it. And also, but it's still lagging behind PlayStation Four uh, sales, yeah. which actually hit 37 million units uh, at, by this period in its lifespan, a generation ago. Which, th- excuse me, 32 to 37 is like five million short. So, I mean, I'm yeah. assuming that just has a lot to do with shortages and all that. Because I would say, and I think even this article speculates, that, like, if they didn't have so many problems, they might have blew PS4 numbers out the water. But because of all the issues they have with supply, it's lagging behind the PlayStation 4. But not not by far. Um, yeah. Microsoft... Yeah, there's an inter- that- that brings about an interesting stat that I uh, I saw about the PS5s that like 30% of the PS5s out there are from people who have never owned the PlayStation before. Then they're getting that data from the fact that a lot of these people have never had PS4 accounts that they're that they're getting. Oh. They're, they're creating they're creating new like uh, accounts. So like 30% of these accounts are I'm new. Not so su- they're thinking. I'm not surprised by that. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. that they've uh, Xbox with how bad the Xbox One was as far as like its uh release strategy when it first came out to like the amount of like exclusives for xbox it it, it, you know i think it turned microsoft's fan base into either going the pc route or just getting the playstation 5 yeah um however though it it, it's hard to say because microsoft is um is not forthcoming with their numbers on Xbox. But um, uh, the, the, the article does say this. Microsoft uh, has tried to downplay sales of the Xbox since last generation when it was clear they were losing to the PS4 by around a two-to-one sales margin. So if they were at 37 million of PS4s around this time, uh, like in the same amount of time span or whatever that the PlayStation five is currently and the PlayStation four Xbox would have been about 18, 19 million, maybe something like that. Uh, if, if the two to one sales margin is correct, it, again, it's hard to say it's estimates on how, whatever systems Forbes has used to figure that out. Right. And, yeah. um, but they say that that generation currently stands. Uh, okay. So they say that, the PS4 in total, it looks like, currently stands about 117 million PS4s. And I think that's the life of it so far. And they're estimating 51 to 58 million Xbox One sold. So, again, two to one, half, maybe just about, right? So it's pretty bad numbers as far as that goes. However, there are estimates that the between the Xbox X and S they think Xbox has put out about 20 million units and PlayStation's at like 32 million currently, uh, PlayStation 5. So 
it's doing better. The Xbox Series X and S is doing better. And there's speculation. Some of it could be because PlayStation 5 was having so many problems with supply. People could have turned to get an X or an S to have a new uh, gen console. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because PC gaming can be pretty expensive, especially if you're going to get it cranked up to, you know, put out those higher, you know, fucking graphics, frame rates, whatever, whatever. So, Technically, the X is stronger than the PS5. It does handle some of the like. Things, yes, the, it is actually the stronger system overall. You're right. Although it would depend, though, that if more games are being built for, like, built more towards the PlayStation, then the Xbox, even though it's a stronger system, may not actually play those games better. Which has been some, yeah, some stories or rumors that like that some people have put up like they think that the, there's certain games that for the PS5 play better than they do on the Xbox even though Xbox is actually a stronger system. So that also it does play a factor of like what are you building it cuz if you're building it to max out on the PlayStation 5 specs, you're not going to build it to max out on the Xbox ones too. Right? right. Like so right. then you get a you know a, the same version or even maybe a little lesser if it's ported over in whatever way. Um, I think most uh, games are kind of built for PC nowadays, especially if it's going to be multi-platform. Yeah. It's going to be PC and console. They yeah. build it for the PC, and then the consoles get the ports, and then it comes down True. to the question of, like, um, what is, like, they're basing their port off of? Are they basing yeah. it off the PS5, or are they basing it off of the Xbox? Like, yeah, but I would goes. imagine now, like, with these, uh, especially with Sony-owned studios that might be putting, well, I don't know. That might be wrong. I think a lot of Sony-owned studios are just doing exclusives now because Sony's all about that, so never mind. I take it back. But, um, yeah, I would say you're right. Most of these third-party games are built more for PC, and then, because PC is definitely probably the best place to play games as far as if you want, like, the top quality image and all that shit. Like, it's PC, but it's also going to be, like, you know, a good bit of money, too. Um, for a good value and a great, you know, performance, consoles are kind of where it's at. It's, it really helps, for like, you know, younger generation, kids, teenagers, even adults, too. But more for like if mom's going to buy you something, they're not going to buy you a whole PC rig more than likely. It's going to be like yeah. a PlayStation or an Xbox. Like it's just that's what it's going to be because it's just it's easier to wrap your head around. It's easier. Oh, for yeah, yeah. It's much more. It's more. Yes. Yeah, user more user friendly consoles. Are yeah. Because PC, you got to kind of have some technical skills to kind of mess around with things. Mm-hmm. It's not always plug and play. Yeah. But I just thought it'd be interesting to see the update on the numbers. Uh, let's see. And then also Nintendo Switch. It's two generations uh, worth of power behind Microsoft and Sony now. But it's continued to sell like crazy. And the last report is 114.33 million units sold since 2017. Yeah. So it's... Uh, you it's, know, my, so I almost it's almost hate at, to hear that. It's almost at PlayStation 4 numbers actually in fact probably by the end of this year it might surpass playstation 4 numbers yeah it's a good chance that it might do that I think, yeah i think so and i hate to hear that like i said because nintendo's just going to take this as like you know a notion that they're going they're going in the right direction kind of putting um yeah like value like parts in their freaking systems and shit because the switch's performance is just kind of oh like yeah. they got like Nintendo always has good games, but their fucking hardware is struggling to keep up. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, 
I guess not anytime soon, but like I do feel um I feel like the move they might make is to just put out another switch that can match the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X like that would probably be the best move cuz then you can still make it a home console but then have it on the go. I just don't know if you can do that with the Switch. I don't know if like I mean the Xbox yeah. Series X and PlayStation 5 are both very bulky consoles. I can't imagine they can work that out into the Switch. You know what I mean? No, like even looking at the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck is probably the strongest handheld you could probably make right around now in terms of like balancing power with like price point and steam decks are pretty expensive and uh like you can run a game at 1440 on a steam deck or something like that and it'll look good but you're gonna get like two hours of battery life yeah uh and that's 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 where it comes out it's because running those kind of graphics hogs a lot of power and we don't have any kind of battery or anything that kind of just sustains that over you know six hours or more yeah Uh, Yeah. so that's one of the reasons that the switch that's actually one of the technical marvels of the switch is that the switch is actually incredibly power efficient like i knock on its performance and its graphics because it does have a lot of like lagging and slow down and shit but the way that it's optimized is that you get it's literally optimized to give you every and uh every like drop of power out of that battery that it can mm. get you in, in performance performance wise yeah um so that i can get the switch pros for but if they can work it out to kind of like even if you could just play games at like a steady 1080p 60 frames a second on the go like that would be awesome like i don't need 4k on a go especially on like a seven inch screen seven eight inch screen like you don't need 4k graphics on that yeah yeah. But the pixel density is just not going to come across beyond yeah, no. 1080. Yeah, you need a bit. Yeah, I guess see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the Switch does, or at least what Nintendo does to stay relevant in the games market. Because they, I understand that they feel like we don't need to compete against PlayStation and and um, Xbox. And I would agree. If, if I think it is kind of a better decision for them to go in a more different direction than them to. But the problem is, I do think the handheld market is quickly evaporating to lead way for phones. I think as tech gets better and better for phones, that's going to end up being a bigger part of the handheld market. And I mean, so far, uh, it's it's still holding. Look, the Switch has great numbers. And all through history, Nintendo has really done well with their portable systems. The DS, Game Boy, all that stuff has always been kind of shining lights, even when their console attempts were trash, like the Wii U. And hell, even Nintendo 64, for that matter, didn't really hold up great uh, to its competition, which was like PlayStation. So, um, and even GameCube as well, didn't really hold up great as far as like, not to say that they were bad systems, but I mean, hell, NES and SNES were some of their, their biggest like consoles and then the Wii was like the next one that really nailed it as far as like numbers and as far as game library there's some great stuff on 64 there's some great stuff on GameCube and of course NES and SNES have some of the best classics ever um <clears throat> but Wii I think library sucks and Wii U is not that great either 
Um, although there are some shining gems there that have been ported over to the Switch, and that's been great, you know. So yeah, um, Nintendo's definitely have its its problems, and I think with the rise of streaming and the rise of like phone gaming and games being mobile gaming being a bigger point than like consoles and shit. Yeah, I I see the portable. I feel like the portable market for things like the Steam Deck and the Switch, I think it's like walking on thin ice. And I think like it's it's going to hold for a while and I think it'll be it'll it'll be a market until the phones and like internet infrastructure and all that get to the point where streaming can be almost seamless. Then I think Switch is gonna have a real fucking problem on their hands. If yeah. Nintendo keeps playing into the console market, that's the first thing I see kind of evaporating to this before consoles do. The portable console market, I think, is going to get the biggest hit because you can't you can't compete against something in your pocket, your phone, and especially like 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 the phone I got now. I can fold my phone. I fold it. And then unfold it, and it's like the biggest screen I've ever had. And then I fold it, and I can easily fit it in my pocket and go. Yeah. You know. Some, the thing, the crazy thing, though, is that these some of these phones, if you look at them, and we buy them on, con, you buy them on contracts, right? Yeah. But if you purchase them outright, some of these phones are like $1,200. Yes, it's true. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're fucking, they're insanely expensive. And it's not necessarily because they have, like, a lot of hardware power in it for, like, gaming and shit. Right. No, Whereas, true. like, if you spent twelve hundred dollars on a PC, you'd have a decent mid-range PC. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fair. So, but if they can get the console in the cloud and streaming to work seamlessly, as we move beyond five G to whatever's next in our mobile internets and stuff, or just the Wi-Fi infrastructure in across the country better, which will take time. Again, it's going to take time. Right. It's going to take time. I wonder. But I wonder if Nintendo, you know, Nintendo could maybe make a successful move to kind of uh, make a phone. No, yeah, like make a phone, maybe kind of merge the idea of like a gaming. That would be like Sony tried. Sony tried to do it before, right, with the Xperia. Yeah, they like did. Like a gaming phone. Yeah, they did. They even had like little PlayStation controllers you can attach to it, if I'm not mistaken, that had like the yeah. uh, the sacred symbols or whatever on it. I do remember something about that. You're right. The problem is you you the, the you got to play in the Android marketplace basically. Apple and um Apple and Android run the marketplaces for that. Uh yeah. it's going to be hard to try and make a phone that you're going to have to you, good luck trying to make your own OS. Like Microsoft tried to have their own operating system and their own marketplace and they fucking failed. Shit was terrible. I tried. Yeah. I had Microsoft phones. I went that route. Um, in fact, I, I actually I had jobs that gave me Microsoft phones, so I, I had those phones. And the marketplaces were just crap, dude. You, they struggled to get like simple things like Facebook and stuff, like on as like an app. I'd have like if I wanted to check Facebook or any of that stuff, I'd have to go to like the fucking website in a browser on my phone. What if? What if Nintendo geared it towards like, oh, this is a phone just for your kids, and it's like Nintendo, they go the family friendly. That, that could be like, interesting, parents- but I feel like it's a fad because I feel I don't know. I yeah. I, I kind of feel like f- parents have already accepted the concept that my son has an iPhone, like and yeah. and and it would be like kids would sniff their nose at it because it would be the kid friendly one that would have all these like 
parental control parameters to it, there'd be like the fucking sucky phone. We don't want that phone. You know what I mean? Like I, I would yeah. already see that being a bad move for them. They would actually have mm-hmm. to have a phone that would stand up against like Apple and Androids. And if they fell in line with Android, I think Android just cuts into their profits too much. And so I could see that being a problem for Nintendo. Um, because the marketplace and everything, I mean, that's been, that's why Microsoft is fucking trying to buy, uh, fucking, um, Activision Blizzard because they want to be able to break up. That's part of their play is trying to have something more substantial in this like mobile sphere of gaming in the marketplace there with their streaming and all that stuff. They're, they're trying to make a edge into that. I don't know if they're yeah. exactly trying to do it with their phones, but they're trying to kind of have better games and stuff on the mobile market because that's where things are going. And I think with their cloud systems and everything, they they might try to make another push into the phone market. I mean, it's basically a monopoly between Apple and Android. You really don't have another option as far as a phone. It's kind of the same thing with computers. You have Microsoft... On PCs, you have the Microsoft or the Apple. That's it. Like Microsoft program, Windows is basically, I say Microsoft, but Windows, you, you, every computer around it runs on Windows except Apple computers. And then Apple has their own fucking OS system. IOS. Yeah, yeah iOS, iOS on Apple. So, and of course, it, Linux a, is around, but Linux has been trying to get like more user friendly. It's usually considered, but it's, yeah, it's not there yet like they got i forget the new implementation of linux it's supposed to be a lot more similar to windows mm. but it still hasn't picked up steam because linux is open source it always has been yeah nobody owns linux so mm. that's usually the third option so i don't yeah. know a lot but of people aren't usually going for no it. no no a lot, of, a lot of people probably even your casual people probably even know what linux is you'll say that they might have heard the name but don't know what the fuck it is so right. um yeah it's 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 just it's, stranglehold on that so i don't know where nintendo goes uh, i'm glad they're having the great sales i like nintendo uh i hope the best that they figure this out they seem to always figure things out and stay around a little bit here and there but um i don't know man if they don't play around in this tech like figure out something with their consoles and stuff i think they end up becoming a software company i still see them ending up becoming a software company and that's not necessarily bad no, but, um, I wonder how. But I wonder how they do it though. If they because like, do they try to hold on long enough to like get into like the streaming sphere and say that they? Oh yeah, we're just moving into you know web streaming with everybody yeah. else. We didn't actually like get pushed out of the the industry. You know, kind of like we didn't go the way of Sega. We ended up yeah. we just transferred nationally. You know, like everybody else. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's um, I I really don't know what they do. Because I've been reading stories about how Sega, how it went down and and all that. And they basically, I forget how the story went, if they got approached by Xbox or what. But they ended up teaming with Xbox because, you know, they kind of got pushed out by Sony and Nintendo. And that's kind of what helped give Xbox some more games is working with Sega and having some stuff come that way. And then, of course, Sega buddied up with Nintendo and and they worked together putting a lot of stuff out there as well. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I definitely see Nintendo probably falling in line with Xbox. I mean, they seem to have a fairly friendly company friendship there going on. I mean, there's been speculation that we might get Game Pass on Switch, which actually I did want to mention 
Forbes does point out that Game Pass has uh, the number is at about uh, over 25 million uh, subscribers. So that and that's between PC and Xbox. Yeah. So that's between both. So that's the number I'm hearing now is Game Pass. So at ten bucks a month, because um, that's kind of what Game Pass is is ten. I mean it's fifteen, but the extra five is supposed to be for the game, uh, basically Xbox Live. If you do it on the console, that's why it's fifteen. But technically, the Game Pass is like ten a month. That's $250 million a month with 25 million subscribers, right? Yeah, I mean, just rough back in a napkin kind of math that yeah. kind of goes into it. Yeah, know? just 10 times 25 million is $250 million. So um, that's just some kind of a ballpark figure there of like what Game Pass is pulling in every month, but don't know what it's costing. I know um, just on the streaming front, Disney, not to get too far in movies and stuff like that, but Disney's having an issue because they just switched their CEO out because he tried to kind of push forward with this, the Disney Plus app and streaming and um, was kind of fudging some of the numbers a bit. And as some of the stories I've been reading have coming out, I don't know how verified. Well, he wasn't straight up lying, but he was definitely trying to like some of the marketing budget for things, he kind of tried to swing into it. Oh, it's kind of for this movie or whatever, but it all kind of piled into like Disney plus and it's yeah. bleeding money. They're not making, which they knew they were going to be losing because it's, it's hard to get into the streaming game, especially right now uh, and get people to get another subscription, you know? So um, they had to switch back. Bob Iger came back to take over the reins of Disney over this shit. So, I mean, um, this whole streaming thing's tough and Nintendo does not have any place in streaming. Like they, they don't have any way to build that out. I think in a good substantial way, like Xbox has, like, it's not, it's not going to happen. And I don't know what PlayStation's numbers are for that matter. So as far as the future of Nintendo, I mean, I think we'll be fine for the next generation for Nintendo. I'm very curious what happens after, as we yeah. As the I think we're gonna evolve, be good for like and everything. Like I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what do they do? Do they just do Switch 2.0? And if so, yeah. like, like I feel like that's gonna be their move because of how successful it is. I feel like they're just gonna keep beating it because that's what they did with the Wii. The Wii did great, so they did Wii U and they added right. tablet function. And then now they just made their whole game the, the system, the tablet of the Wii U. Yeah. And I, I feel like funny, it's just pushing that Have you forward. looked into the development of the Wii U? Why they kind of went that route with the Wii U? No, I haven't. Well, uh, basically, um, I don't know if you remember when I was saying this, when I was talking about it back when the Switch was still called the NNX and we were speculating what it was. But basically, I ended up being right. The Wii U, they, they planned the Wii U just to be a stopgap system. Uh, kind of in between uh that's why it has the tablet right and uh and everything because they they were already planning the switch and they were planning to release the switch so they pushed the wii u out just to kind of get another console out there and kind of um just as like i said as a stopgap system i forget all the details of it because this was like years ago that i I looked into the 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 development of the wii u but Mm. yeah they, I mean, I'm not going to say they pushed it out there just to fail, but they were already, they weren't 
putting all of their eggs in that basket with the yeah. Wii U. They they were already planning on the Switch and everything. Um, and when they were making the Wii U, when they were planning the Wii U, they were planning the Switch at the same time. Yeah, <clears throat> that's interesting because it, it, if you if you don't look at it with that lens, it does just seems like Nintendo just keeps kicking the console can down the road. Yeah, where like okay, Wii the movement stuff kick the can. Wii U tablet and movement stuff kick the can. Okay, just tablet stuff kick the can. Okay, maybe tablet 2.0 if that's what they end up doing. You know, and it just kind of seems like that. And it's like, ah, all right, that's the way you're going to do it. But who knows? Maybe they might have some completely different concept for the next console. Who knows? I'm definitely, I definitely think whatever the next thing is, it's going to have some function that works with the Switch currently if it's not just Switch 2.0. Because the Switch is too successful, they got to try and keep that in some way. What so. if they go the route of making like a console, but the I don't know how it is. They they make it to the like the switch is both the dock and the uh, the console itself, right? What if the switch 2.0 is basically like a portable system as well as like a console system, but you can like the console itself is stronger than the portable. It's like I don't know, like you can almost use the portable as like a controller, almost like a beefed like up you, deck. So, like, uh, you put the Switch in the deck, the deck can actually output way better, way stronger than what the Switch can just solo, something like that? Something like that. Or, like, okay. if the the controller is, like, the port, you can use the portable function as, like, a controller on, like, the main console, and the console is stronger. But then, like, if you want to take it with you, you can use the uh, okay. controller as, like, a streaming device, right? Like, as, as a portable huh. device. I don't know. Oh, I mean... Well, I guess we'll find out. I'd imagine there's a lot of rumors around about, I mean, hell, they're almost about ready for their next gen. I mean, they started 2017. We're six years into the Switch now. Yeah, so, like they need it. Yeah, and in like the way the PS5 and Xbox Series X are just outpacing as far as output, like, yeah, they, they kind of need an updated system now, you know, at least by next year. Um, so I would imagine sometime this year we might get a direct that teases it and next year might be like the, the console for the, the new console for Nintendo. Yeah. So uh, we'll but see because the, 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 they already yeah. about the top PlayStation four life sale sales. The switch is about to outpace the PS four. So, um, I'm pretty sure by the end of this year, it will according to Forbes, according to the sales data here. So, that that's going to be interesting to kind of see what their future system is going to be in entail. Tundra, relax. Yeah, nobody doing nothing over there for you. All right, um, two more articles here. Then we got some what we've been playing. I don't think we'll be too long on this one. I just thought it was kind of interesting. So James Gunn recently came out and talked about his plans for DC. And you know, he's made the comment that the games are going to uh, incorporate in with the movies and the TV to be all one cohesive DC universe, right? Yes. Midnight. Yeah. He said. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, he, yeah. He, I seen the article today, actually, the talk about uh, that. Yeah, he's saying that the games are going to tie into it. The animation's going to tie into it along with movies. So it's going to be all three of them, yeah. which I think is a pretty ambitious 
thing to pull off. I mean, like, I guess, I mean, like, if anybody could do it. With shows and movies, I think, fine. Gaming does make it kind of stranger. And, like, Midnight Suns director uh, reacts to James Gunn's DCU games plan. He says, quote, this would have been a nightmare. Um, Let's see. Uh, For Access Games designer Jake Solomon tweeted, this would have been a nightmare for us on Midnight Suns, which is the Marvel game that they recently yeah. just dropped. Um, I understand this is a quote from, this is a tweet quote. Uh, this would have been a nightmare for us of midnight suns. I understand the desire, I think, but movies and games are so, so different. And the pressure this puts on the amazing voice actors in the game space, different universes. And that's how they should will stay. Uh, end quote. Uh, very fascinating because what do you do if you're going to have Wolverine or like, uh, let me do DC. What are you going to do if you have Batman live action and then Batman game and you have a different voice actor or does the actor. So then are these actors going to be pushing out voice actors from jobs that typically had the games and now they don't get those because we want the same actor who betrayed them in the movie. Because a lot of times that was split. You'd have a different voice actor that would do Spider-Man, Wolverine, whatever. Now it would all have to be Tom Holland, right? Spider-Man kind of right. thing. Yeah. It's just, you know, interesting. Or or do you just, ah, different voice actors, but it's still the same person. Or, oh, we'll, you'll never get another Batman game because, like, we don't want to recreate that. So, or the Batman games will just be stuck. Cause like, apparently he's already saying like, not everything is going to be connected. Like the Matt Reeves, Batman is going to be labeled elseworld. So I, I'm assuming that might be some of it, but it does bring the question just like what kind of games will we get? And like, you know, what are these plans for games that tie into the universe? Are they going to only consist of like, I don't know, obscure DC characters and teams and stuff like that that we'll get game versions of that exist in the movie universe. Yeah, because we'll, didn't, he, didn't he say that part one of his whole like idea and project is going to be gods and monsters? He did. That was kind of like the title of that act. I guess you could say it's gods and monsters. I yeah. don't remember any video games being announced, though. We got movies and shows announced. I haven't seen any games announced as part of Act One, the DC Universe thing. So when you say he says gods and monsters, are you think he's just using that as kind of like a nifty like place card for like his his whole like Phase One? I'm gonna could, call it like could the MCU be. thing, was... or is he? Or you think he's actually talking about the gods and monsters run from um? It, it could be. I'm really not sure. I mean, the yeah. the movies he listed and stuff was like a Superman movie, uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. I think the Superman Legacy, I think it is. There's the Batman Brave and the Bold. I mean, we're yeah. definitely going to chop it up a the, bit on the movies and comics episode. Whenever I don't know how it, I don't know but. how well Valzad Superman would run with the public. In uh, like, uh, what's his name? He was Man Bat. He's Batman in the Gods and Monsters version. Yeah, and it seemed like, a, like vampire. a vampire. Yeah, I was about to say that because I remember what they did an animated movie of that. Actually, there's an yeah, animated movie that, called Gods and Monsters. I think uh, yeah, actually the the voice actor who uh, I mean the actor who played Dexter in the. Um, what I just the uh, the guy Dexter uh the show Dexter the guy who played him the voice Michael C Hall I think is his name he voiced that Batman in the Gods and Monsters 
an wow. animated movie. So, um, I, and I remember watching that one. It was kind of a weirder thing. So, I get the feeling like he's. I think he's just using the name. I, I don't know if we'll see that, but maybe because James Gunn does seem to have a thing for doing the obscure like DC stuff or just the kind of out of the box. Yeah, because that was Bruce Tim and Paul Dini that did that whole run with the animated thing with Gods and Monsters. So I'm wondering yeah. if like if he is pulled. I don't know. I don't think I don't know if he's a fan of like the whole Timverse. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Timverse is very. Um... <laughs> I was reading an article actually. Somebody uh, I think Slash Films did an article about like why hasn't Bruce Tim done live action Batman. And would he? Does he, you know, whatever. And they like praising his work. And it should be. Like, look, he was part of the animated series. Animated series is probably the most definitive Batman. I think most people all agree. Kevin Conroy voicing Batman is definitely like the number one for many, especially at least in our generation for sure. Yeah. Um, but Bruce Tim had some very strange ideas. Like, and it even crept into Batman Beyond where he gets Barbara pregnant and stuff like that. And there's some relationship between him and Barbara Gordon. So he's fucking like his friend's daughter or his like quote unquote son, girlfriend and shit like that. And had, and he put it in, he crept it into, um, fucking the remake. They did, they did the animated movie of the killing joke. And it's crazy because like the, the killing joke is frame from frame, the comic. Cause I watched the movie. Frame for yeah. frame, the comic. There's just an extra like 20 minute episode before the movie starts. All just about Batman fucking Barbara Gordon. That's it. They had yeah. this relationship thing and it was a one off. And I guess it was supposed to lead into like the stronger feelings he would have as Barbara is shot by Joker and stuff. But they don't play that up at all because then they just exactly do the killing joke frame for frame, line for line. Like it's actually a very faithful adaption to the comic. Yeah. Other than the first twenty minutes. <laughs> isn't the movie supposed to be isn't the movie supposed to be uh in the Timverse? It's like supposed to be that Batman from like the animated series. Uh, I, right. I I think so. I don't know because I haven't read a lot of the comics that expanded more in that universe. Right. So I, I can't say I know um if Renee was here, he would I I'll probably pick his brain on that because he and he's gone into Renee as uh as listeners don't know, if you don't listen to the movies and comics episode, Renee's one of my co hosts on that. And he we have to actually do have episodes back in the backlog where we've talked about this whole thing with Bruce Tim and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Um so yeah, like honestly I think a lot of the best writing has come from Paul Dini. And I think right. Bruce Tim without Paul Dini, I don't know how good that is. Mm. And I think a lot of the, the some of the live action animated movies, like the Joker, the Harley one, there was a Harley one that came out a few years back and it wasn't that great. It was cool to see some of the old characters from the animated series. But in that one, he had Harley Quinn fuck Nightwing. Like he, he just seems to have some kind of weird hard on for making everybody fuck each other in the Batman universe. And like, okay, man, whatever, dude, just do a fucking Batman porn then with animated and then have your day. Like go do it somewhere else. Like I, I don't know what you're doing because like that wasn't the childhood, you know, like I, I right. mean, I, I never watched the animated series and was like, damn, I wonder what would happen if Nightwing fucked Harley Quinn. 
That sounds awesome. Even even in the animated series, like I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched it and looking at Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy's yeah, she's uh, like, relationship in that. There's yeah. definitely the overtones there, which they are they are in a lesbian relationship at one point in the comics, but yeah. he definitely gives those overtones in the animated series. And I mean that's fine, uh, but I guess it's just kind of like the whole uh, to me the whole thing of Harley Quinn becoming a good person and like fighting crime now and everything just feels so weird, especially even if you look at the animated series, she did some fucked up shit with Joker. Like yeah. I don't, I, I don't see the redemption arc for her there or even in a lot of the comics It's even worse in the comics as far as like the mainline run of comics with Harley Quinn. Now, if you do some alternate universe where she just was always oppressed by Joker and all this kind of stuff, but like, I kind of call bullshit on this whole thing of like Joker put her in that situation because she was a psychiatrist. She's a smart woman. Like I think she made that decision all on her fucking own. That's my read on the character. So anyways, that's a big digression on Batman and stuff. But it's just we're, we're, we're talking about just how they incorporate this in games. And it would be interesting if they pull Bruce Tim to, to do that. I just don't know how much I want that without Paul Dini. Right. You know, yeah. because I think I agree because Paul Dini's always felt I've listened to some interviews with Paul Dini and like, you know, he actually wrote some of the comics that tied into um, the Arkham series of games. If you read the comics, Paul Dini actually wrote some of that. And uh, that, that stuff was, you know, pretty good. And um, then maybe, then maybe they just pull out Paul Dini for some of the writing. Or some it of would, stuff. it would be cool to to do that if he's wanting to do that. You know. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's um, I it's just gonna be interesting to see what uh, James Gunn does as far as trying to take video games because video games also have such a longer development cycle, and and also there's a lot of problems that come with game development as well that you don't really get out of movies. You could do a movie in less than a year. You can film it, have it done, and like a game could take you like, especially a AAA game could take you like four or five years, and you could have all types of catastrophes happen within that time period of delay. And what how what important piece of the story are they going to be for the movie universe going forward? Like I feel like it would have to be games that were just obscure shit that won't really affect the main world. Right, you know. because if they're trying to tell a story, like a main part of the story of a games, like you're saying, the development cycle would just be too long. Like, they would have to really plan that shit out. Like, okay, this game's coming out. This is a AAA game mm-hmm. that we're planning, and it's going to be, you know, out in, I don't know, fucking, because of 2030, because they're planning to start all this shit in, like, 2025, I think they said. So yeah. in 2030, we're going to have these movies out doing this shit, and then the game's going to come out along with it. So, like... Th- that, I feel like that would be hard to coordinate. Unless they do my idea. What I feel like I think more games should do. Like, And even that would still probably take... But it would take less time, I think. Do Resident Evil type stuff. Eight-hour games. Short, yeah. concise, five to eight-hour games. Maybe they're like half the price. 30 bucks or something like that. And it takes you a year or two to crank out. Um, and they could be good quality games, but just really short. They could go to that because that's taken off much more now ever since Telltale started doing it. And they start doing more of that style of episodic games mm-hmm. of like the Telltale kind of stuff. Like, I, th- I feel like I could see that working. 
Yeah, I mean that, that that could definitely do it, or even just do like an actual like type of AAA, like because Resident Evil games are like very pretty looking games that, but are very like linear or like they're kind of open worldish, but in this very contained area. So you don't have to develop like a whole sprawling world, but it could be a very concise story you tell in like a five eight hour setting. That's like you know. You can play it. You'll get this interesting story, and it might take your development team, you know, two years to do. Yeah, because yeah. it, it doesn't just, have uh, to be, you know, Batman Arkham. Yes, it doesn't have to be like a fifty-hour game, forty-hour game, like with all the side quests and everything. It could just be an eight-hour experience, and you just bring that price. Now, of course, Resident Evil and them they charge you seventy for like an eight-hour, ten-hour experience. I mean, Dead Space, <clears throat> I played the remake. That's about 11, 12 hours. I mean, I'm I'm already done it. And um, it didn't take that long. It was $70, you know. I, I definitely think there's an argument when you compare, I guess, time spent. That it, those games could be a little cheaper, but whatever. You know, that's, uh, that's a different argument. But I would think they could do something like that, and um, that could work. And I think if they and if they definitely bring the price down for it, I think it could be a really interesting, you know, price model there. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what they do. Um, last thing, the big one. Resident Evil Four Remake is removing quick time events and adding side quests, as well as breakable knives. Hallelujah. It sounds like they're actually making some good decisions with this damn remake. I'm actually getting more excited for it as I see more. Did you it. see the parry mechanic in it? Uh, d- no. I I saw. I watched a little bit of the gameplay. So segment apparently, game you, so you know in RE2, you get grabbed, you can stab someone, right? Yeah. But like you, you can lose the knife. Sometimes you got to go get it back. That's not a parry. Back. That's, not, that's not, not, not a parry. There is a timing mechanic where you can parry an enemy who's coming at you with the knife, but it will damage the knife. But you can parry them and then like spin kick them or whatever. So like oh, I think I did see that in the in the game. And they're stuff. talking uh, about, and there was some speculation in some of the articles I was reading about of like all knife runs. And they and I was reading the game informer because it was an exclusive so Game Informer got an exclusive hands on trial with Resident Evil Four remake. And they put out some footage as well as they had a big sprawling article as the cover of their latest magazine issue. And uh, in it, they talked about the developer specifically said, yes, you can beat this game with knives only. We made sure that it's possible. So it's definitely a feasible option to do knives only. And like there's a parry mechanic in there as well as if you get grabbed, you can stab and get somebody off you. As well as you can just, you know, chip and stab at someone, whatever the case is. So they're adding another mechanic to the game of parries, which is interesting. Yeah, that fits into, I think they're playing into like Leon's whole shtick of like being a knife expert. Because I think that whole thing came out after that game because he has that knife fight with what's his name in the game. He does, you're right. Yeah, yeah, he has that. And then it's like... It's supposed to be this like this cool thing, but like most of the cool shit just happens in the cutscene. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But 
yeah, after that, like people kind of kind of started leaning into that identity on Leon. Like, oh yeah, he's like this awesome knife expert. So mm. I feel like they're playing into that. Like, oh yeah, he can you can parry and shit with the freaking knife in this game, which is cool. Like, I think yeah. it's cool that they're they're kind of taking these notes from how the game has evolved since the original four and kind of incorporating them to kind of uh, I guess you would call it kind of modernize the game with how it's yeah. looked at. Yeah, these characters. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know it's 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 really looking like it's coming together real good. Um, I am liking some of the new additions, though. And, but you still look like you got a beefy briefcase. Some of the gameplay I saw, you still had like multiple like like shotgun, pistol, like all types of guns, and, and like you're it's gonna be more actiony like the original four was. But it no, definitely as long as fit. it's not as fucking corny and over the top. Over yeah, the and it and it doesn't seem like it's going to be. It definitely seems like they're they're putting a lot of things because they said like when they went and played through it they said oh you know there are a lot of things that we can expand on and, and make better um some puzzles and things in there will be like side quest stuff so like right. they're adding all this kind of side quest type shit to it it's just very fascinating um yeah i'm very curious to see how this thing shapes up when it comes out um I, it does this thing is just <laughs> If it's as good as what it's all looking, it just really is gonna put a real kind of stain on RE three remake. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is with the way that they did RE three remake. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. the original is still. I, I feel like the original is still better than the remake. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would say there's a strong argument for that for sure. Where I would say two remake and potentially what looking like four remake will be the better versions. Uh, yeah, you know, of their to their counterparts. I mean, um, yeah, the movement and everything is much better in RE3 remake than regular RE3. Like, it's just a better experience on on that front. But it did cut out a lot of parts, like the choices you can make with your encounters with Nemesis, and um, <clears throat> just whole section of the clock tower out of the game, uh, a whole boss is out of the game with the worm that could have been developed into something more interesting. Um, I mean, they did add in some different boss fights with Nemesis, though, like, um, that were more unique, and, and they are fun. Like, they're, they're pretty decent, like, boss fights with Nemesis as you fight his different evolutions throughout the game. And so that's kind of how they changed it. But, yeah, anyway. Um, four, four remakes looking great, man. Um, the, the article is pretty interesting. There's, you know, a lot they were just kind of going into about their gameplay. Um, they talked about how, like, they made points to where, like, if you see enemies and their head looks broke, like their neck looks broken where their head's kind of on the side, those are like indicators that these things could pop out. Like there's a higher chance for them to pop out with the, um, the Las Plagas thing, you know, the uh, yeah. tentacle thing or whatever. Um, there's, you know, bigger chance than that. They're also being kind of shady. A lot of people thought about, they saw the dog and like, oh, the dog's permanently dead. And they were telling them in the game before, like, uh, yeah, maybe. So, like, there might be something more to that whole thing with the dog than was originally assumed with some of the first um, stuff that came out. Uh, uh, what is? Have they? Did they? I didn't. I didn't watch the whole thing. They didn't show your boy. Uh, the fucking Napoleon wannabe. No, I don't think they name. showed any of them. I heard. I think there yeah. are some changes done to them. Um, I don't know how significant, 
But I don't, I didn't see it, but I didn't watch the whole thing through either. I clipped it at parts and then I was reading the article over and I yeah. watched certain things, but I, I didn't want to watch too much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'm interested, but I just was seeing, and I've seen some, some people are kind of griping about the rain effects look bad. I've seen some people make posts in some of the Resident Evil groups. They don't like the rain in some of the parts of the game. <clears throat> they're just nitpicking yeah, because nitpicking. those are all the same people that jerk off the original horse being like one of the best games ever i'm like come yeah, on yeah. dude get the fuck out of here yeah 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 no i know i know so i've seen some people nitpicking at it already and some re groups but i mean overall i think it's i think it's looking pretty solid so um then the stuff i'm hearing and and reading about it just the different now there's some some more mechanics to it the kicking and stuff doesn't look as like fantastical like super spin kicks flipping people out of buildings it looks a little more like yeah you could still like kick um as you're shooting down like enemies and stuff but and also you don't completely stop to aim your laser light and shoot like in the original you can move and shoot now which is a, a better change as well so um it's really shaping up to be something really good and it just makes me excited too about what they do with Silent Hill Two, as well. So and there's still speculation that it might come out this year. Uh, Silent Hill, and that'd be crazy. You get a Dead Space remake, Resident Evil Four remake, and Silent Hill Two remake all in the same year. If that happens, that's <laughs> that, it'd be the best. It'd be a great year for freaking horror games. Or Hell yeah! Those. Yep, it it really would. So, um. Yeah, it's gonna be. I'm I'm pretty excited from for March. Um, that's when um, Resident Evil Four comes out. So that's just next month. So it's pretty soon. So um, yeah, but I thought I'd bring that up. They talked about just a few things. IGN covered it, and I've read the Game Informer. Uh, I read most of the article. It's it's a lot. It's dense, and it's a lot of like I was doing this, and I went in this cabin. It's like I don't really care about all that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they were detailing like everything they played through through it and stuff. And so I didn't read the whole thing, but I've read certain parts, especially things that talked about some of the new mechanics, like the knife parry, and um, and all. So <clears throat> anyway, um. Yeah, that about does it on that. Let's go ahead and get into a bit what we've been playing, and we'll go ahead and uh, close, and we'll have the losing lives added on to the end of this. Um, I'm assuming you've just been doing a lot of Pokemon, right? Yeah, Pokemon, uh, which I talked about earlier, basically everything that I've been doing in it. Uh, and then when I'm not, like, I get tired of grinding on Pokemon, I just kind of play a few games of Smite, which, you know, if you've ever played a MOBA, you know what Smite is. Um it's just, you know, freaking. I usually do uh, arena, which is like five by five. I do five by five v five kind of team deathmatch, but with tickets. It's not yeah. just like pure kill count. It's tickets. Whoever, you know, the enemy. You got the point is to make the enemy team run out of tickets first. Um, and then if I do, uh, I do joust three v, which is a three v three mode for the MOBA, and it's. Pretty fun because Knight actually had a recently big change to it. They reworked a lot of items. They got rid of some items. They rebalanced a lot of the the gods because that's what Smite is. It's a uh, all mythology gods, you know, fighting each other. Um, so they, a lot of the gods got reworked to go along with the new items. So it really kind of changed up the meta and you know help keep the game fresh. So it's been fun. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, what what you what you been up to, dude? You know, you know some of it. <clears throat> so um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, I did say I was gonna talk about Alan Wake a bit. I don't. I'm not gonna talk too much about it. Uh, I will just mention. You know, they're doing a sequel. I went back and played it because it's connected control and everything, and like um, it's kind of a confusing game. Um, it does end kind of in a weird way. Um, like it does seem like he saved his girl and all that stuff. It kind of has that happy ending, but then there's some kind of like, is there still some writing happening or some dark force or whatever? To be honest, I, I want to like the game more than I do. I, I don't, I don't really care. It, it was, it was very samey. Run yeah. through this. I, kinda, I noticed that. When yeah. I was watching you watching your stream. Run through the woods. Run through the mine. Shine people. Shoot them. Find coffee cups. Um, the story was was pretty fairly intriguing, but then I, I and some of that too. It's I I broke up some of the story, getting distracted with other things. It it, it definitely wears its welcome. It's longer than I think it needs to be. Uh, and a lot of the game levels was just like, I'm just kind of ready for this to be over to get to the next like story piece because there's yeah. nothing really interesting in the gameplay. Uh, there's no like crazy bosses to fight. It's it's just a lot of the same shit over and over. Yeah, especially imagine like coming out of like control where a lot of these set picks pieces are kind of big and different. Some of these bosses yeah. are freaking crazy. Yeah. I really feel like I haven't played Max Payne, but watching you play Alan Wake and then comparing it to Control, I feel like Control is probably the best game that they've done. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Max Payne's good. I think Max Payne 3 is pretty, pretty like one of my favorite of the Max Payne's as far as just because it's a better gameplay mechanics than the first two that were, you know, of its time. Um, yeah, those, those were all PS2 games, right? No, uh, Max Payne 3 was PS3. Um, okay. But yes, uh, Max Payne and Max Payne 2 were PS2 games. So, um, and like those, those are good. Uh, they're kind of like quicker playthroughs. They're fun. Like the, the story beats are kind of fun with the comics and the voice acting's really kind of goofy and fun. And Max Payne's fun, but it, but it also has a bit of the same, like you're just shooting enemies. Like there's no real interesting set pieces of like, strategy or anything like that which will actually kind of lead me into dead space and um comparing it to callisto protocol but just to kind of um touch on the end of alan wake like it's it's a fine game i think it would sit much better if it was just the levels were shorter and it just kind of got more to the point of it it felt like filler a lot of the level felt like filler and, um, yeah, I mean, I stuck it out to the end. Um, it doesn't control real bad. It feels fine. Um, I never felt like anything was too cheap. Nothing was too difficult. Again, I mean, they make you play on normal. And you got to replay it again for the nightmare mode when you unlock it. And there's, like, extra pages to get. But it's like, I'm, I'm not doing that. Right, like, why would you want to play it again? So I'm interested to see what they do with Alan Wake too. I kind of hope that you know, they they actually step it up and make some more interesting like things, because there could have been some real interesting mechanics with the whole flashlight and shooting and stuff. They they could have, I don't know, thought of some other interesting things with like different bosses and like, 
you know, using. I imagine it will. I think they learned some valuable lessons from Control. Yeah. I imagine you're going to see a lot of those influences in probably the second game. Because there was like a few moments where it's like, oh, I got to this one area where I was getting slammed, and there's a giant spotlight you use, and like, but it, it just could have been more like interesting with it. So yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think with Control and everything, they definitely seem to have found a better pace with that. You know, <clears throat> so I'm I'm hoping better out Alan Wake too. We'll see. Um, Dead Space remake. So I'm on the midpoint of chapter 11. I haven't technically finished it because I have been playing Diablo 2 with my brother, which I'll talk about a little bit briefly. I don't have as much to say about Diablo yet. Um, but um, it's fucking great. Dead Space remake is fantastic. Um, just like they said, there's like no load screens. The game yeah. just plays from beginning to end. Um, I did actually find, so Isaac does not talk in the first game. He does not. He's a silent protagonist. I looked up the gameplay. I've read some articles too. They were all confirming that. And in the beginning, like I actually, I'm pretty certain you don't even see his face. No, you see his face because there's screenshots comparing like the old Isaac with the new Isaac. Which okay, uh, so maybe I'm wrong a little on bit that. of a little, but yeah, I, a little I bit know, on that. I know that he doesn't talk. Yeah, so go ahead a little on that. You, you go ahead on it. Yeah, uh, the reason Isaac looks so different in the remake is that apparently they used two different people for the face scans for the original game. They used um, what's his name? Let me see if I can look it up real quick, Isaac. Clark. Yeah, the new guy is Gunnar Wright. That's his voice actor. They used him, his face scan for two and three, the the old two and three, and for yeah. the remake. That's his face scan. Um, the let me. Oh my god, these fucking captures. So it was a different guy for the first game. Yes, it was a different guy for the first game. I'm trying to look up his name so I can give him credit. Mm-hmm. Uh. Where now he did make sound effects actors. in the first game, like when you're shooting, you hear like oh, <sighs> like the breathing and all that stuff. Like that, that was pretty similar. Um, in the uh, remake, they had that too. Actor. But he actually did like that whole opening scene where he like talks and interacts. Like I watched it on the original, he didn't say a fucking thing. And then like yes. um, while you're doing stuff, there, there, you know, other characters will talk and he will not speak. So he doesn't say anything. But I, I thought, too, that he was just in the helmet the whole time. But I, I'm wrong about that. Do you see his face? But um, I had looked up, too, just to verify. You don't actually hear him speak in the original. But in the in this Bro, I game, thought he, he yeah, I thought him. he did. But you're right. You, uh, I went, and looked back, look, went back and looked it up myself. And he doesn't really. Yeah, he doesn't talk. I just remember him being so fucking talky in the second, third one. He is. That's in the when second he got... one, he does talk. Because uh, uh, he's also getting those hallucinations from, like, his his girlfriend right all through the second game because that ends up being spoiler alert for the second game that released years ago but that ends up being like the final boss in a sense am i wrong in that is that that, that's the girlfriend right yeah or his imagination Uh, like his like um i guess him personifying the marker or whatever entity that is in there yeah pretty much that's for, mm-hmm. if i remember right because it's been a minute since i replayed it too um yeah I from what i remember you have not like, too think... long ago and it's that girl that's like his girlfriend that's like kind of walking around and like you yeah it's a whole like boss battle at the end of the second game 
So yeah, yeah. At the end of the second game, you're it's you're in like a hallucination yeah. with the marker when you get close to it yes. and you're fighting her. Yes. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's how the second one ends. So um, yeah, it's um. But the first one, um, they so they definitely changed up a few things as as far as like you know cutscene stuff. Isaac talks more. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the, the, the and the stuff they added to it and did it, it works. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of people say like this is like better than the the original. Like, there's been a lot of people putting those kind of claims out on it. Um, I don't really have to go back, but I'm pretty sure it probably is. Like, it's really good. It's just hard to beat. Like, you know, there's no load screens. And I don't think you were as free to go back and forth in the original. I saw somebody saying that, and I, I don't remember for sure, but I, I think you weren't able, like, the whole game, you can literally go back to the very first area or to the next area. Like, you can go back and backtrack all you want to whatever. And you kind of should because you'll get key cards, like clearance, right, to let you in other areas. So it actually you want to go back you know what i mean right and i feel like they gave him a lot more backstory they gave him a lot more backstory that you get in the first game whereas yeah in they talk the about original. his mom and his mom was part of the church like she was a religious fanatic the dad left on mission and isaac's mom is a fanatic that like it definitely turned, you know, pushed Isaac away from the whole religious religious stuff in the church because how crazy his mom was. And they yeah, do the church of unitology yes. in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do add a bit more story in on that, which is interesting. Um, man, it's just really good. Um, the game plays very well. It does. Uh, it does feel a lot like two, with just like the the shooting. You know the weapons. I mean, of course, it's more like I guess one, but I just got off of playing two, so playing two and playing this afterwards, it felt, you know, almost right like home. There were differences. There were different weapons, um, but it's, you know, it was really strong and like it's it's um, yeah, I strongly suggest you a fan of survival horror, especially like in space and all that shit, Dead Space remake. That's that's it. It's it's really great, and I I need to play it again. Like they give you a new game plus, and there's actually a different ending you get doing new game plus. And it looks like there's like certain areas that I need a master clearance to get to, and I suspect I won't get that until new game plus. And I'm wondering if that's what leads to the other ending. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. Uh yeah, cuz you're saying that there is like a new ending. Uh mm-hmm. I think I think you're right cuz if I remember reading that you can only get the the new ending in uh New Game Plus. Yes, that's what I read about it too. Is that you can only get it in New Game Plus. And there's a and there's another ending that's like a new ending. I don't know if it's the canon one or not. I don't know how they're doing it. They definitely said one of the endings though definitely leads it to be like they might be remaking too. So okay, that that would be all. That would be cool to see them remake too, especially since they did such a great job with this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, and so of course this leads a lot of people to compare it to Callisto Protocol. Callisto Protocol was the 
the one of the head directors for Dead Space, and I think Dead Space Two, um, he branched off his own company and did the Callisto Protocol, and it's it's very similar to Dead Space, you know, like there are a lot of similarities. However, there are pretty significant differences. I, I like the Callisto Protocol, still do. Dead Space shits all over it though. It's just the Dead Space remake, like it does. The but I, yeah. I feel like Callisto Protocol. Um, I think they're just very ambitious and I think they needed probably some more time to work out some of the better battle mechanics. Like, look, I played both these games on the hardest difficulty. I struggle with Callisto Protocol because of the melee combat is very, it's simple, but it's also complicated because it really depends on like the way your camera's facing on how you dodge and fight with enemies, especially when you're getting jumped by multiple enemies in that game and you're stuck with only your melee combat because it's a heavy focus on melee combat with Callisto Protocol. And all you do is like get a gun, machine gun, shotgun, and you can level them up. And there's little like additions you can get to the weapons that make them a little better or whatever, but nothing, not like Dead Space. In Dead Space... I mean, fuck, you get a plasma cutter that can slice people. You can get a uh, a buzz saw where you just, like, have a saw shoot out. It's floating in front of you, and you're sawing off limbs and stuff. Um, you can get, like, a laser cannon that just fries people, like, blast them through. Um, a flamethrower where you can burn. and cre- You can even shoot these little... And each gun has, like, a, a different, like, L1 trigger to it that shoots something different. Um... There is something like that with the pistols and the shotgun and stuff in in Callisto Protocol, from what I can recall, but it's not very not really anything significant. They can make like you hit a room in Dead Space and you have all these different weapons at your disposal to kind of plan out, you know, and it's as you see enemies come, like I could use the line gun and shoot traps. Uh, on the wall that shoot these laser beams that as they walk through, they get burned up, like they get lasered by them. And I'd done that and like had enemies held back with those laser traps while I'm buzzsawing somebody. And you like kind of have this experience of planning out an attack that's really unique. And then like the enemies, there's some fairly different enemies that you get. And even like interesting boss battles, like uh, when you're flying around and um, you're shooting like, monster limbs coming at you or getting the cannons to work so you're shooting these things as the like there's there's a couple of different boss battles. Callisto Protocol didn't really have that. Like you run into like an enemy with two heads and you run into that same enemy about four different times. That's kind of the bosses. Um kinda. They kind of more become like mini boss enemies at some point towards the end. Now the very last boss is kind of a unique boss. Um and it's not a bad boss fight, you know? You really got to use what you got. Um, <clears throat> but... Man, they really do not want... I think this guy's name that was the first... I'm still looking for it. That was the face scan for the first guy, and he did the voice acting, but uh, I can't seem to find his name again. Oh, yeah? No. Yeah, like, nobody is giving him credit. It's all for the the, the the voice actor, Gunnar Wright, who is who played him in the second game onward. Yeah, well, it is, it is what it is. But, um, yeah. but again, like, with the Callisto Protocol, like, I, I think it's a great game. I, the, the only thing I think is better with the Callisto Protocol is the actual, like, 
they got actual actors, not just the voice act. Not to say I don't want to diminish like the the actors in Dead Space like that, but like they they got actors who have been in movies and stuff, and the performances they were able to get out of the motion capture with the Callisto Protocol, mm. I think, were better. Then with Dead they Space actually Remake. got uh, some decent actors in uh, in the voice cast of the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd probably recognize some of them if you looked them up. They've been yeah. in like movies and st- like TV shows. I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. movies, but like TV shows and things. I do think the I, I do think though that Closer Protocol had some better performances by the actors they had. They had um, uh, what's his name? Josh was it Josh Dumal, Josh something. That was the main guy in Callisto Protocol. And um, they had the Josh Asian, Dumel. Dumel. And then there was the Asian chick um, that was from The Boys. Um, she's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think she's, what do they call her? Lady, I think. Is this like her name? Uh, she's Kimiko. Kimiko and The Boys. Yeah. Uh, Kimiko. There we go. Um, yeah, so, anyway, uh, the female, I mean, that's what her name is. The Boys, they, they, her like hero type name is like the female, I think. The female. From the right. comics. But, anyways. Um, I thought their performances were great. I thought there was an interesting story with Callisto Protocol there. I like the idea of being trapped in a prison in space. That's kind of cool. I think there's some good stuff there. It just doesn't... It's worth a playthrough, I would definitely say. Uh, you know, I think it's definitely worth a playthrough. But, like, again, with the enemy stuff, it is just come up, left, right, hit them with the stick. You know, and, like... Yeah, I feel like... Not to cut you off, sorry, but uh, I feel like just from watching you play it, which I am going to play it myself, I'm just, it's another one of my games in my backlog since I've been grinding freaking Pokemon for the tournament. But um, it seems to me like they just kind of played it too safe with this game because it's a new IP, which I can understand. This is a newly formed company with a new IP. They probably didn't want to take too many risks on it and risk it flopping. They at least wanted to try and just let it turn a profit and then maybe innovate in the second game. But I think that's mostly what Cluster Protocol suffers from is just playing it way too safe. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would say probably so. Uh, and 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 the sad part about it is they had a lot of bugs. I think especially with PC, they they, they definitely hit like some walls there. They had a lot of issues for playing as safe as they did. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, that, that was another problem with its release. And I know some people shit on it real hard, like it's just total crap. And I just, it's not. It's not. There's something there. I think there could be a sequel made that would be like fantastic. I think there's something to that melee mechanic. I I do like a horror game that that builds into melee. I think they just needed some more evolution with that melee. I mean, it is interesting to use guns and like fist weapon, like because you always get in horror games like like Resident Evil is known for a knife, but it's like come on with all with how the zombies and everything are. You know, like it's not really that feasible. You can you're really going to use guns the whole time, for especially casuals, right? But right. to build a combat system where the, the 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 melee weapons and the gun weapons are all pretty substantial and like things you want to use all in tandem together, is interesting. It, it's a different kind. Con- I haven't seen a combat system like that before in like a survival horror game like this. You know. Yeah, it's, it did look really interesting. Like, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like they did, like you said, they just they didn't expand out with it enough. Even like yeah. some of the like the telekinesis kills where you like throw them up against the wall. Or, that was like, the, the other. That was the other thing too. Like one of the things that Dead Space does, you can't, at least in this remake, you can't pick up people with the kinesis. You can't pick up yeah. enemies, but you can pick up like 
poles or whatever and use them as weapons to help, you know? Right. What Callisto Protocol does is you can pick up enemies. So, like, there'll be situations where you're just up against a spike wall, and I could just pick up, like, ten guys and just be like, spike, 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 and then it's all done. You know? And it's, like, it's kind of funny, but it does kind of take away from wanting to strategize more. And then, like, every area you go into, there's always, like, oh, it just happens to be spike walls over here or, like, a giant fan over here to throw enemies in. Like... And it's fun for, like, guts and glory and the imagery and all that. I mean, I think I think some of the visuals are better in Callisto than they are in Dead Space on that end. Yeah. And they really went in on making all these different death animations and stuff like that, which is also kind of fun. But it's all gimmicky to what Dead Space has, which is just better gameplay and, you know... And I would yeah. say better story as well. I think if they would have kept the dismemberment and incorporated it more into like the melee combat, where you're actually like knocking limbs off and everything, and the enemies. Yeah, and, that could have been. That uh, been incorporating the gun. Mm-hmm. I think it would. I think it would have made it more interesting, as well as being able, like you said, kind of expand out on it rather than just like or oh, give you, you the, the choice, enemy, right? The fan. You could build into guns, or you could build into like different like fist weapons you can get the shiv because basically you upgrade your you get like a stick that you get into like an electric baton and then you basically just build that up but like what if you can have like fist weapons so you just like fist punching and then there's different pros and cons to that than using a stick than using guns and then you can mix all of that together how you want as well but the way you level it up builds into your play style. Like all that would have been very fascinating. But they they didn't. They, they kept it fairly bare bones on that end. And again, I still think it's a good game. I, I'm probably going to go back. In fact, I, I will go back and play Callisto Protocol at some point when I'm just looking for something to play. I'm pretty sure I will. I think it's a good game. Mm-hmm. It's just not like great. It's at like a seven where Dead Space is like 9.5, the remake. Yeah. I'm talking about. Um, and Callisto's like 6.57. And 9, 9.5 is Dead Space. You know? Like, that's just the differences. So, um, Dead Space, really great. Um, if you're a fan of all the series, it's a must. I, I really think so. They really nailed it. So, it's good. Um,. We talked about CEO, and so you're definitely going to see me getting more into fighting games. And I'll probably talk about that down the road. Um, last thing, Diablo 2. Um, well, I think I'm at the same spot in Dark Souls 2. I'm still stuck with um, the the twins, the princes or whatever. Um, so, But I've gotten pretty close. I, I've almost killed them a few times just tinkering off stream and stuff like that so but i haven't put in a lot of energy in it between dead space coming out and all that so it's not been as much time on that no yeah you see what i mean when i said that uh i got stuck on one we born my bloodborne play blood my blood level four playthrough in oh yeah no like it yeah 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 and then something else kind of distracted me because you getting like getting those bosses down they can be kind of a grind and then you start focusing your energy on something else yep that comes out yeah, and you kind of got to still go back to not it. only that too, because now I'm going to be 
getting gearing up for this fighting game stuff. So uh, it's going to be less on my Dark Souls Soul Level Three run for sure. Like I would like to beat that boss, and then I'll be okay. I need to do the DLC, and then I'll probably, you know, just wait for a while because then I got Resident Evil Four Remake coming in a month. So yep. that's there. And then now my brother's drag got me into, I don't want to say drag me in. Like, I, you know, I wanted to play something with him in Diablo 2. And, I mean, Diablo 2 looks great. This is a remake that they put out for the PlayStation. Um, I never really played it when it first came out, like on PC and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I never really was PC gamer. Um, so it's, um, it's you know, it's fun. It's just kind of, you know, that thing. I've played games like it before that I'm pretty sure were inspired by Diablo, you know, the original. Yeah, it was a big thing for the genre when it came out. And having played the original, it didn't like it's weird, right? Like, because I played the original and then I played three, of course, when it came out. And then I went back to play this one with the remake. Yeah. And it kind of gave me a whole different perspective on three. Mm -hmm. Um, Because three, a lot of people were kind of harping on three partly because of the controversy with the auction house and everything with blizzard that kind of had but people were harping on it because it was so different yeah. three is so much brighter you see how dark and grimy two is yeah three um three is almost like i don't know what, what how could i compare it? it's almost like the difference between gotham and metropolis yeah it's way brighter and the story is the story is pretty cool and everything it's that's much more fantastic stuck out to me is playing the two remake the cutscenes looked fucking fantastic Oh, yes. Holy shit. This shit looks like, fuck, it's crazy. My brother told me that Diablo, even at the time, like, Diablo's been known for its cutscenes. They're, like, way better than they have any business to be. Yeah, even though, yeah, at the time, like, when 2 originally came out, those cutscenes were fucking amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. they made you want to stop and watch them. Uh, two. I mean, three's cutscenes are the same way. They're fucking amazing. Like they make you want to stop and watch them. They actually feel like a reward for kind of playing through all of the grinding and shit. Mm-hmm. I think you'll have a lot more fun with three. There's way more quality of life changes with three, mm-hmm. uh, and like the whole progression with three is just kind of like smoother, much smoother. Um, yeah, my two, brother was saying what... that too. Like, I, I want to start with two because I've always heard two was kind of the big. A lot of people like two. I think um, it's stuff not I bad. Read. So but I, I think a lot of people looked at that. it with rose colored glasses, kind of going back at it. That's kind of what I was getting yeah. at. That it playing two after going, you know, the remake after playing three, it kind of made me appreciate the quality of life changes and three and all of the updates and stuff that they had from. Uh, from the original too, and I'm like, oh man, maybe maybe like two's not bad. It's still really good. It's still good because yeah. you can do, uh, you can still do like a lot of interesting builds and stuff if you want to get into it. Yeah. But three just kind of, it's better mechanically. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm pretty still early on, and I've done the first act. I'm in. I'm in like kind of the uh, beginning, or probably middle of act two. I would probably say. Um, how many acts are there? Uh, Do you remember? You're in the middle of Act 2. I'm trying to remember how many Acts there are. I don't remember right offhand. Um, Mm. Let me look and see. Okay. I was just curious. We're in the middle of Act 2. It's it's good. I mean, it's the kind of grindy smack, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean... I like playing with my brother. It's the games he likes to play. These aren't typical. This that's what I thought. 
this that's what I thought. There's not that many. There's five X. That's yeah, what I, I was going to say. say f- five. I was actually going to suggest five, but okay, cool. So there is five. I wasn't sure if it was four or five. That's yeah. why I wanted to look it up. Um, these games like this don't like always catch my attention as much like that because they are kind of like just go and you know click and attack and all this kind of stuff and it's just swarms of enemies and I don't know. I mean, I I, I struggle to get into games like this because it's more about how you build your character than like um i guess timing button pressing and like skill if that makes sense you're not as you're not as engaged with it because yeah it is kind of a a passive thing whereas like you can build your character where you can just kind of literally run through the dungeon just killing my brother my brother has like he he picked a different character now and we just got like a wolf pack like so just a pack of wolves running around just he literally doesn't even have to fucking swing anything most times because yeah. the wolves run out and just fuck everything up. And then you can hire yeah, that's why a bunch it's a, of people. That's too. why it's a popular game to stream. Because like a lot of streamers, you can just passively run through the dungeon while talking to chat. And the chat will have sense. something to look at because it looks cool. Yeah. But you know, but it doesn't acquire a lot of engagement from you. So you can you're free to more engage with chat. Yeah, it makes sense. So like it's one of those passive games and so on. But again, it's just that's but it's good for me. My brother can talk and like, I've got chat going and I've actually had, you know, the last two times we did it, we had seven people last night and four or five, I think earlier today. Um, so it's, you know, we had some people in there. It's not bad. So yeah, anybody wants to come on in, it's twitch.tv slash Sammy Savage 88. Um, I'll be doing some Diablo two and some fighting games. Um, I think that's it about the games I wanted to really talk about stuff that I've been playing. Um, so other than that, um, The Last of Us, we'll go ahead and get into our losing lives and, um, yeah, we'll see you later. Kev, you got anything else you want to say before we shut it down? Uh, no, not really. I will see you guys later. Enjoy our episode in the future from the past. That's right. Whatever it is, past in the future, future meets past, past back to the future. Yeah. All right. All right. Catch y'all later. <laughs> Three lives down. You got enough in there to finish me off? One way to find out. Gross. This is not good. If you heard now, the Losing Lives intro should have played, and this is a special Losing Lives. We'll be covering, whenever we get together, we're going to do an extra little piece for Losing Lives on The Last of Us. This first Last of Us, this time of recording, only two episodes have aired so far. We all have watched both episodes so surprisingly yes i rallied somehow yeah Yeah. um so first what we're gonna do is talk a bit about the game uh if anybody's like i think uh renee you probably haven't had much experience with the game at all no okay have you heard anything about the game do you know anything about just that you spoiled the end for me that's right yeah i did 
Oh, you son of a bitch. And then I spoiled Patrick because I thought Patrick was in on that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. You... On, the, on the way over here. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah. All right, good. So uh... my, my experience with the game is I think I'm exactly where they're at in the show at the end of the second episode. Oh, yeah. Like that, that government building Yeah, is the last thing I remember. Maybe I got a little bit further than that. Yeah. But it's just when I wanted to play it when I want to play it. But then like. Tiffany and the kids actually wanted to watch me play that. So yeah. it became like, you know, can I play it now? And they're like, oh, I got something to do. So it, it's it's to the point where I want to go back and play the game now because the game was excellent. Yeah. Um, it's just that they wanted to watch me play. Yeah. To be fair, I think I've talked and spoiled this like even years ago with y'all two in on podcast because I've talked about it before I, without knowing it would ever become a really fucking good show. So, <laughs> my bad. Yeah, we we've talked it to death on uh, the it's, gaming uh, mm-hmm. podcast we have because yeah. yeah we talk about it all the time over there. Yeah, here and there we do for sure. Um, it's. I, I remember a, when the game first came out, people were leaking like a fake ending. Oh yeah, for the game, and I remember I went and read the fake ending, and it was like, what was the fake ending? The fake ending was like they got to where they were going, and then Joel just kills Ellie. Uh, mm. For so, I forgot what why, but then he yeah. ended up having to kill her at the end. And then I remember like people, people that did the, like the streaming and stuff back then, they were like all hurt by it. They'd be like, "I can't believe you spoiled this game." And then yeah. come to find out, they're like, "Hey, that ending was fake. While it was really good, that's yeah, not yeah. how the game ends." Because uh, yeah. people were pissed, and it was yeah. it wasn't the real ending it to wasn't the game. It's interesting. I don't remember your name. I came to the game late, so I really wasn't in on the game. When it first dropped, uh, a couple of years after it dropped, I jumped and played it, and uh, it 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 was really good. Um, it still is, <clears throat> and and they remade it from the ground up for PlayStation Five, so you can play it now. Half five, yeah. Um, so they it, they got renewed for season two, and from what I've heard on the news of it too, they're only gonna do the first two games, mm-hmm. and they only so they're only gonna be two seasons of this show. And it's going to adapt one and two. They can go a different direction, though. So I'm curious because, like, at the end of the game, it does end with, you know, a choice. And I'm curious to see if they still do the same choice. So since she's been spoiled on it and the game's been out for years, people listening to this podcast should know the games. Um, I'm going to say what the game ending is. They I've already changed some small things though with the show to the game. Like for instance, again, this is all spoilers here for the show and the game. And we're only at episode two as it stands. So we can't spoil any more for the show than two episodes. The first two. Um Test dies by um military in the game. Okay. She does not die the way she did. Now, in a similar fashion, she kills herself, putting all the stuff around because she was bit. That all that's in the game, but they did change that. Um, and the in those opening scenes of the first two episodes are definitely not from the game, where um the guy from the mummy, 
was on talking about what he's really concerned about back mm-hmm. in the 70s about a fungal 67 yeah oh 67 that's I what it was. it was i thought it was 70s 60s okay um uh, but he's talking about a fungal infection is what he was really concerned about if it evolves past its threshold of temperature as yeah. the temperature of the earth rises due to global warming due to global warming we're all fucked. perfect setup yeah. though yeah no it was mm-hmm. it wasn't a bad setup it was uh, interesting and then um the other opening of this se- this episode uh, where they go to get the doctor while she was eating lunch. That shit was chilling. Yeah. And then they were like, she was like, what do we do? Bomb. She was like, drop bombs on everybody. Bomb everybody. Yeah. Bomb I, I told them it was like, she's like, hey, let me go home and be with my family, but bomb it all. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they didn't listen. Well, no, they did. They bombed it. Because in the they episode, they were, they were walking through, like, she was like, that where the bombs hit and stuff? And they were like, yeah, like, they... they they talk no, about that. Would, that was in a in different country. Yeah, yeah was, they were in America, so obviously they bombed in America too. Well, I, I'm yeah, I'm assuming if every, we assume they bombed it started everywhere. Yeah, in Indonesia. Yeah, wherever they were. Did it really oh, start I, in so, China? So there's, or there, did America bring there, it to China? I've got it. Hold on, let me pull the article up. So there is a theory on it's that. COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's from the bread. The bread. Yeah, like bread in itself. Uh, let me pull up the article. Fuck, where I got it? Come on, notes. We got it from yeast. We got it from yes. Uh, major fan theory. Here we go. Um, this is an episode one. Eagle-eyed viewers notice that Joel, Sarah, and Tommy manage to narrowly avoid eating products containing flour. For example, Sarah doesn't make Joel pancakes for breakfast on his birthday. The characters refuse an offer for biscuits from the neighbors. Sarah doesn't eat the cookies she bakes at the neighbor's house and Joel forgets to buy himself a birthday cake after a long day of work. This led to a popular Reddit thread uh, post suggested the uh, initial cordyceps outbreak was spread by contaminated flour. Episode two kicks off with a lengthy scene set in 2003. Uh, Jack- Jacarada. How do you say that? Jakarta. 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 Uh, terrible. <laughs> right at the start of the pandemic. Uh, the modern day scene focuses on a mycology professor who sees the start of the cordyceps infection up close. She eventually learns the strange happening started at a nearby flour mill, essentially confirming mm-hmm. the fan theory. Uh, and if there was any doubt left, HBO creators Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann confirmed it further in the interview. When she talks about where these people worked and what was going on in that factory, yeah, it's pretty clear that's what's going on. We like the idea of that science, and we try the best we could to make sure that our research all connects. The mycologist asks where it happened. The guy says a flower factory on the west side of the city. We are absolutely talking about there is the world's largest flower mill in Jakarta. So that's a fine theory, and I think people should keep running with it. So it's basically all confirmed that in this show, they're saying this. Now, this is also a change from the games where... Like, if you notice, too, not only is it from this flower that a lot of people ate that contaminated, and apparently there's tendrils that come out and, like, can infect. It was that weird kiss scene. Shit gives me the fucking willies. Yeah. Uh, in the game, there are areas of where spores are released, and if you breathe in the spores, you'll become infected. You'll lose your mind. So there's parts in the game where you'll be walking and you put on a gas mask. And then you'll creep through an area, and the, then when you get out, the last thing yeah. that Pedro Pascal needs is another 
TV show where he wears a mask the entire time. Yeah, well, yeah, I was I was going to say that I, the theory about that that how adverse Hollywood is of putting freaking masks on their stars because yeah. marketing they got to show the stars face in marketing and shit. Hence the uh, nanotech helmets in all the Marvel movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mandalorian, fuck it. Yep, yep. Well, so what's uh, well the other thing they said too is they felt like it would have the way things go. I guess it would lead to too many. Um, questions about if it's airborne how the fuck is it like are so many people isolated people, yeah. isolated airborne yeah. you know so um it's like it's easy to show that in a game too because yeah. you have like a fog cloud whereas in a tv show it's just fucking air like, yeah <laughs> yeah what do you yeah. Do? yeah exactly so it gives more of a visual effect of how the infection when you spreads. said that it made me think of homeland oh. with the plane uh, what do you want me to do? It's fucking air. I yeah. Understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's part of the reasons why they've changed it from like fucking airborne to the tendrils and stuff like that. Uh, but but for the most part, everything else has been almost consistently exactly the game. So they don't have uh, the tendrils in the game. Mm-mm. Well, the yeah. stuff. Thank you for the nightmare fuel. Yeah, it's definitely that. <laughs> yeah. No, Yo, thank you for that. Now though, the the clickers. Yeah. So that episode two, where the things where you, they can only hear and mm-hmm. they can't see, that's directly from the game, and I believe it's actually the voice actors who made the noises for the game. They got them back to do it for the movie. Nice. Oh, that's cool that so they did that. Also, do you know the the lady? What was her name? Uh, Marlene. Or uh, yeah, she played she played the character in the game. She did the voice for the character in the game. She was the lady who had Ellie initially. Okay, the soldier. The soldier. Yeah. So her, she's the actual voice actor for the same character in the game. But by the time the uh, game did the show, she aged appropriately to be able to play huh. the character she voiced back then. So that's actually the same voice actress. That's cool. So, in the yeah. game, wasn't Marlene, Marlene, uh, I mean, not to bring this up, but like in the game, wasn't Marlene white? So it was a black woman doing a white woman's voice in the game? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I believe yeah, so. you see, that, I didn't even know that, did she? Been? I, I didn't remember what race she was in the game, but now that you say that, I think you're right that, uh, yeah, she was white, and but it was, yeah, you know. Anyway, um, but those are just, the, if you stay at the end of the credits, they do like a bunch of little like fun facts on stuff like that, and, and inside the episode, inside the episode. Okay, yeah. I have to go back. And that's where they out. actually talked about the like the clicker voice and all that and stuff, and then that's where they talked about too, like uh, Mar Marlene and like her being the same one. They actually interviewed her, and she was that in the behind the scene where she talked about that at the end of those episodes. So both of those were, you know things that they did and it's pretty good and this is getting huge reception in fact it's funny uh there i saw an article i don't know how true it is it just saw an article in passing that um resident evil fans are petitioning hbo to do a resident <laughs> evil adaption because, they don't want netflix to do it because they don't want netflix to do it. <laughs> well, I, th- I think the difference too is they have the well, the, the game creator is is one of the showrunners one of the co-creators yes yeah. yeah so he's he's in there and he's you know he could make sure it's it's like the game and yeah. the game was very cinematic and played out like a movie so it's yeah. 
it's easy to kind of follow through with that. Yes. That and this this whole game and this narrative, it's a Western narrative, so it lends itself to Western storytelling and like cinematics. Whereas Resident Evil is a Japanese company. And you know, it's made by Capcom, it's got Japanese writers, Japanese creators and stuff. And their stuff is usually if you watch any of their horror stuff, it's usually much more like supernatural and kind of crazy and shit. And I don't know if it would be as receptive over here as it is with, uh, I, and I'm not, you know, really, what's more. Well, I'm sorry. No, no, go uh, ahead. I was like, I'm not really a gamer like that, but with as cinematic as these games are veering toward and how they're hiring like film actors and TV actors to play these roles. God of war two had the, the, the lady, um, from, um, Daredevil, uh, Karen. Yeah, she played uh, Kratos's wife in the recent game, and you can look at the character, and, and it looks like her. Yeah, I mean, just just with the way they're making these games to be more cinematic, the storytelling is, the script writing is tighter. I mean, you're basically watching a movie. Yeah, I think these mm-hmm. newer games lend themselves more toward adaption. Yeah. Then stuff that was coming out. And on a funny know, note, years ago, the creators of Uncharted and The Last of Us, which basically made a living off that cinematic storytelling, mm-hmm. say they want to get away from that in games to where they do it in game instead of having like a cutscene. Yeah, we talked about that the last gaming episode we did, where Neil Druckmann yeah. was interviewed. He's inspired by Elden Ring, and uh, so it's interesting. In games, there are definitely multiple ways of trying to tell your story. Um, and the creator of this, and he's also like, he was the director of Neil Druckmann. He actually directed this second episode, too. And I think it's his first directorial debut as like a director of like something in film. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So anyways, <clears throat> uh, you're not familiar, but there's a game. There's a series of games. Dark Souls, Bloodborne, um, and Elden Ring. It's an from Sekiro's another one, and and they're all I know of them. I've even played them yeah. from Soft Games. So, the thing about them is it's actually very limited on cutscenes, um, and even some of the interactions you have with people in the world are very small and they're very kind of um, elusive about what exactly is the meaning. You actually have to like pick up items, read item descriptions. Um, look at the world itself and piece together what you think might have happened here. Um, yeah, because like in Elden Ring, there's the monuments and stuff dotted around that you can read. And then like if you talk to some of the finger maidens, they might give you a little bit uh, more lore and stuff. So it's yeah. much more, uh, I don't know what would you say. It's not as direct. They don't hand feed it to you. Yeah. You got to go looking for it. To, to really piece the story. I mean, there are people who beat the game two, three times and can't tell you exactly what the story of Elden Ring is. Neil Druckmann is interested and it sounds like maybe his next game project will do a story more in that vein than in this more cinematic vein. Mm. So, but I mean, there's definitely growing a lane for like voice actors and stuff like that to like take on these roles. And in fact, there's even been a lot of controversy about how much they're paid and how much they should be paid. And, how much weight do they carry to sell a game? I guess would be the question there because, I, in my opinion, they, I've never bought a game because the voice actors attached. It doesn't really fucking matter who's voicing it. I mean, it could elevate a game, but it's not gonna like. You play a game, you get a game to play it. You know, 
it's experiencing story and stuff is definitely part of it. But for the most part, the gameplay. The game sucks. I don't care how great the cutscenes are. I'm not going to get through it. <laughs> right. That's are. the point I was making on the on the gaming episode. Right? Yeah. Because you buy a game to play it, right? Yeah. And, and um, that's why I kind of think The Last of Us, it kind of works better as a show, I think, than as a game. Not that, you know, games are – the game isn't good at telling the story, but just, you know, the last hundred years or so that we've had motion picture technology, the, the genre has evolved to tell that kind of narrative story much better than I yeah. think that a game has. Because games are just trying to emulate what we've already got with film and the way that they tell stories. But at the same time, they got to compromise that to try to get good gameplay, too. Yeah. So I, that's why I kind of feel like the show does a better job at telling the story of The Last of Us than maybe the game actually did. Mm. Um, so looking at it on, on the show's perspective, and, and we've already talked some on it, um, well, I guess... Renee, what are some of the things about it that are really sticking out to you that really drawing you to want to watch it? Oh, just it's it's very uh, unsettling and creepy in the way that they've chosen to portray the 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 fungus and the spread and and it's more like man, it's almost like. I want to turn away mm-hmm. like when the what do you call them the the creatures what do you call them well they have different names I don't remember <laughs> the one what, that makes the clicking sound is well is the, the clickers and I think they <laughs> just call clicker. some of the basic ones the runners I want to say because right. they so, just run yeah I think so, that's what they are yeah runners. so when that runner went in uh, to kiss old girl yeah I was like oh my god yeah I can't watch this, but I ain't no bitch. Yeah. So I'm going to watch this. Yeah, that shit was bad. I but, actually find it interesting that when the runners are chasing people down, it almost seems like they can't really, like, they're not focused. Like, they'll run into walls and yeah, topple over things. Over like, yeah. yeah, they're it's not. Very, it's, it's very reminiscent of Night of the Living Dead for me because that was, like, the first uh, zombie movie to really have running zombies. And it's kind of probably one of my favorites, the, like a zombie movie and stuff. And then they do the same thing. They're very clumsy running around and stuff. So I think they kind of probably pulled it from that. Mm. But I think uh, it's just, I like a lot of the actors in it. Like I like the, the girl that plays Ellie because she was mm. in Game of Thrones. She was very good in that. Yeah, I've heard. I've never watched a lot of that, but I've she, heard how she, good she is. She has a very commanding presence. Yeah. And she's she was acting again like with grown men and grown women, and she commanded the floor. I can't, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't believe people are com- complaining about her. I've heard seen some people complaining about her that they didn't like her. And she's oh, she's very abrasive. Like I don't know what Ellie's like in the game, but she's very uh, headstrong, very abrasive, and I mean that's kind of <clears> how <throat> Ellie is in yeah. the games, really. She she because like her, I, mean, I like that about her. Yeah. I mean she's not a. Like a damsel, like help me. She's very capable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way she carries herself, she's almost like when Anator, uh, Anator's character, said, "Like I'm, a sp- I'm gonna speak to you like an adult because that's how you're out here." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, carrying yourself, mm-hmm. and she does carry herself like a little mini adult. Mm-hmm. But that's how the actress carries herself. She's very mature in how she speaks and how she acts. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Ellie in the games is kind of like that too, but you'll in the games 
She slowly starts ro- ro- uh, warming up to Joel over the time of the games. And I, I, one thing I'm finding kind of interesting on how they're going to like really tie this relationship together to them is that in the games there was more time where like I feel like the show is moving really fast through the game story. Like mm-hmm. they're already out of the museum and like moving on. I think next might be the school if I'm not mistaken if they get to that far um um uh, in the next episode but like there's a lot of moments in the game where like you you're walking around the museum and you're seeing things and Ellie would be like well what's that like and they kind of did a little bit of the show like when they talked about being at the hotel and she was pretending like oh well yes sir we do this like she was kind of playing around like that yeah that is kind of reminiscent of the games too because she'll do that stuff and then her and Joel will have these moments of connecting, like talking about the old world and in the world they have now. Yeah. So they're piecing that in there in snippets. But yeah, she was born in the old, in the new world. Yeah, she didn't experience the old. Mm-hmm. Now, one one thing that's interesting to me that really has me into it is to see how that relationship develops because I didn't, I hadn't, I had no idea of like the relationship he had with the daughter. I didn't know he had a daughter. Yeah. Um, before everything happened and how tragically that whole thing ended yeah and a lot of people are giving that actress a lot of props for her role in the first it is very short i'm yeah. wondering if we'll see more flash i mean i've never seen a more convincing somebody get shot and die scene yeah. i mean that was very well done so in the games they she never was such a good kid too they never like, flash kind of back to her in the games that i can recall yeah i'm curious to see if they flash back or give her some more stuff in the show because they, because that whole scene too in the beginning, where you see her the night before, and then you see her that morning, and she like she goes to school and she's getting something. For yeah, the, like for she the was day. the point of view character for the first episode. In the game, she is the point of character. You actually play as her really? in the game, but you're not, you're not shooting stuff or doing anything like that. You're you're in the house, and then you walk around the house, and it's at night, and you're like looking at stuff and like interacting with things like that and uh, you can piece together some of the things that they did in the show of like i got this for my dad's birthday and like all that stuff but it's all done that way and then there of course there's a trigger moment wherever you do one thing in in the in the game where it triggers and then like joel busted it's like we gotta go we gotta go right now and then like that stuff happens and then yeah. you're in you're sitting in the girl's perspective in the truck and you're like seeing how things going and then you get to that scene exactly how it's done. A soldier's there and shoots are like it's all really like almost shot for shot game the show. So it's it's holding faithfully to the game, but they gave it some more like I don't remember in the game going to talk to the neighbors at all mm-hmm. and seeing the neighbors and that little piece there that they did in the show wasn't wasn't yeah, in the game. Me and Patrick talked about it on the way here how the grandma started twitching behind her. Yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. What the fuck grandma doing? Get the fuck out the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So But uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they flash back to the uh the daughter. So he kinda gives himself permission to care about somebody like that again. Mm-hmm. And they kinda tie they, that in. Yeah, they might, because I feel like the way um shoot, I'm blanking on his name. The way he's playing Joel is a little I don't want to say softer, but he's less stoic than Joel is in the, in the game, and I think that's to kind of reflect more of the actors. Just like, 
how uh ellie's personality changed just to kind of reflect bella's personality more yeah um yeah and just think... just fun fact y'all do realize she's 19 right she's 19 playing a 14 year old yeah yeah she's so tiny yeah yeah so. yeah yeah i think ellie and i think ellie in the show is a little more like aggressive abrasive a bit like more in your face yeah and yeah. joel is definitely like like he's saying too a little more like like um stoic well but i would say he's almost not as uh he's definitely a hard ass with her like he is kind of in the show a bit but i felt like by the time we got to test i think that's one of the things the show kind of misses with with what you could do with the game i remember the moment in the game where Tess dies it definitely hit more in the game than i felt like it did in the show i don't f- yeah there was there was you had some time with Tess for sure but not enough i felt to really have that loss i guess hit at least how i felt i don't know did y'all did you take it like i mean you look at a show a show is gonna run it's nine episodes it's gonna be like 10 hours they got 10 hours to tell a story that you played over 30 hours yeah so it's you know the game does have more time with each character and each developing part than Mm -hmm. and plus you know like you said oh they're moving kind of kind of fast so it's you know, I'm sure the show they're gonna have to have they'll have their quiet moments where it's just them two like traveling, but then they'll get to the point where it's hey, we need some excitement. We can't have yeah. a boring episode. So, and I don't remember. Maybe Kev, you can help me with this because uh, I think you did play some. I I saw it. So in the they had a quick shot of the um of what's to come in in the episodes to come. Yeah, I didn't watch it. And there was like a so. uh, there was a spot where they showed the snow area, and he was talking to his brother Tommy. So this was done in the uh, in the show. I think at the end of the first episode, they did that teaser of what's to come. Okay. It's basically like a little mini trailer. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't remember him reconnecting with his brother in um, in the first game, but I could yeah, be mistaken. Did. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, it's okay. much later in the in the in the game. Okay, so it's um, towards the end. Yeah, it's much later because uh, during the game they kind of go through the seasons. And obviously, since from the scene in the show, that's like the winter season. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much for it, but yeah, yeah, it's much later in the game. Because in the second game, there's some stuff with that as well with Tommy. So, um, which would be interesting to see if they do that too. I mean, because there's some stuff that happens in the beginning of the second game that's like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I don't. Do you know it? Did you remember? Have I said? Did you know anything about the second game? No, not All right. Really. I won't say nothing then because it's 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 gonna be very interesting how they do second season because of, yeah. Like, I, I, they, I remember you kind of spoiling the second game mm. to an extent, like how how that whole thing shapes out. But I don't remember much. I know there's a new girl mm-hmm. that pops up that Ellie has a whole thing with. I'll just say this. There is there is a thing in the second game. The theme of it is like, basically, is the bad guy really a bad guy? Because you, you play as the good guy and the bad guy in the second game. And you see things from different perspectives. Now that you're saying it, I'm starting to remember some of the stuff yeah. you were talking about. So I'd be uh, curious to see how they film the second season. It's pretty interesting. I thought the second game was really strong. Uh, it definitely had a very interesting message to put across. It's also a pretty long game. There's a lot to mine. Like I almost feel like out of the second game, they could do two seasons out of the second game. 
I could see them doing the first season in this. Like I say, it's moving fast, but I don't think it's like. I, don't, I, I should reiterate that I don't think it's like too fast that it's 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 bad, but it is faster than I expected. I thought we'd have maybe, I thought maybe episode three we would have Tess die. I thought we would have more time. Spoiler alert. With her. That was episode three. What are you talking about? So HBO, <clears throat> they wanted them to, the first episode was like 80 minutes. Yeah. And the uh, rest of them are like 40. And uh, the first episode was supposed to end when he threw the little kid in the fire. But then they suggested that they introduce Ellie and all that in the first episode. So they combined the first two episodes. Ah, uh, interesting. I didn't know that. To make one long episode. And uh, I guess so they don't have to end with two little kids dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess so. It was like, yeah. How are we going to make your Wait. favorite meal and we're going to get you some clean clothes? Would you like that? Yeah. Yeah. That was fucked up, man. Right in the fire. Right in the like, fire. Oh, shit. Well, yeah. What, what's your feelings on that then about how that city and society is being run at that moment? I mean, it just gave me a and sense that this is serious. This yeah. is some serious shit. What are your thoughts on like the fireflies and stuff too, as far as like them being considered terrorists and that and all? Well, I mean, I don't think I've seen enough to really form an opinion on them. Yeah, you've met one of the the leaders. I think she's considered one of the leaders of the fireflies, not the lead, but up there. And um, I think she, I think she was the leader of that whole chapter like that I think section. that's what she said I don't know I don't what yeah. did she say I think she that's said what I, I give the orders and you follow them mm-hmm. she say something along those lines yeah mm-hmm. yeah she basically punked that girl she's like that's right <laughs> give an opinion bitch mm-hmm. yep yep get your shit together and it's kind of got to be that way it's fucking gritty as fuck I mean this it'll be interesting as they go forward to how much they deviate into like if I remember right there was you you see a bunch of different types of like some smaller groups and other people and how they're surviving and uh, some of them are really like sick and twisted people you come across and stuff like that in the game and so I'm curious to see the adaptions of those because um, I haven't really talked at all about the, a lot of the characters that are to come and uh, the things with them and stuff that's going to be interesting yeah. to see can't wait to meet Ron Swanson next episode oh yeah yeah he's uh, great Ron Swanson in it <laughs> yep <laughs> He plays the character. That's that's the school area. So that's why I'm pretty sure they're going to do the school. Because in the game, that character he's portraying, I believe, is that same character. He's kind of like a... I want to say in the game, he's kind of like a mechanic of sorts. Or he's like pretty good with that kind of stuff. So I think that's part of that whole thing. Him trying to get the battery is getting to that. Is that, that the school where they had to do the thing with the, the pallet? I think so, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think I made it there. Where oh, you, had in the to, game. you had to push her around on the pallet or something. Yeah. So I, I think I made it. I've probably I'm pretty, made it I hope they film I that. I hope they film that just pushing around <laughs> the pallet. I can't swim. Sit on this pallet. Like, that's what I, I want to see the Resident Evil adaption where there's like four feet of water that you can walk through, but instead you've got to find boxes and push them. <laughs> so that you can walk across instead of just walking through the water (laughs) i want to see i want to see the resident evil 4 adaption to where every time you gotta escort ashley somewhere and Mm. the zombies try to get her she's like leon she just fucking screams that constantly Mm. yeah that's bad um but uh, anything else from the show that's uh that these two episodes that we've seen so far stick out before i get i got two other 
articles that'll give us a little bit of a discussion piece before we get out of talking about just the show and our thoughts on it. Uh, Kev, you got something? Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, I think I said a lot, most of what I wanted to say. I think the show is doing a better job of telling the story than the game. Um, cause I think the, the narrative just fits the, the, you know, what would I say? Like the, the mechanics or like, mm-hmm. you know, the devices of, uh, storytelling devices, a film mm-hmm. better. Um, yeah. I really love, I've been loving it. Like, uh, yeah, it's been, I, I would almost to... tell people the, uh, if they want to, if they want to know the story of last of us to watch the show rather than play the game, but you can play the game too. Like, it's not like yeah. the game is bad, yeah, but yeah. if you're not a gamer, like you can watch the show and you'll get the, almost yeah, the you'll experience. get it fine. I'm curious to see they're supposed to be adapting God of War in the same Amazon right? Prime. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that, how which they one, do which that. God of War are they doing? I are would they imagine the they have ones? to do the new ones because the old yeah. ones are very. If I was adapting the old one it, would be a straight up man show. Just a lot of it, yeah, killing gods, killing fucking, fucking women. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that just in the game. Like there's a little mini game where you get with women and you fuck them and you got to move the control sticks in ways and you, you get bullshit. a bunch of orbs. Huh? You bullshit, right? No, you don't, no. You don't see it. It's no. like off screen. Yeah, you don't see him fucking. So what happens? But you is, hear it. <laughs> yeah, wow. he'll walk up and there'll be like three girls with their tits out, and you will see their tits. Yeah. And oh, Kratos, blah, 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 this and that, and he's like, all right. And then he goes, and then the camera will shift over. Sometimes you just see a girl like looking, like watching these other girls get pounded by Kratos, and then you'll have button prompts come up. Oh, stick over. Hit the, hit the left stick this way, right stick this way, circle button, circle, 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 <laughs> stuff like that. And then, like, you'll hear them orgasm in the back, like, ah! And then, like, you'll get a bunch of orbs for doing it. So Jesus you can use that Christ. to level up. <laughs> so the original God of Wars, just to get on this tangent, are, like, very, like he said, mantra. Like, you're ripping shit in half, fucking shit up. Um, I think I played the first one a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and it's very just, like, kill blood and fuck imagine imagine if they took gladiator and every scene where he wasn't fighting in the coliseum he is fucking a bunch of bitches yeah and that would be god of war that would be god of war that would be the first game but all the games connect right yes they do so what happens is you kind of get to the point in the recent god of war of 2018 where he's moved beyond his old ways because he was very angry and aggressive because like what ends up happening is his um, his original wife and, and children, I think he had a daughter. Like um, they were killed by Ares, right? They were killed by Ares. He well, he, no, 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 no. Ares tricked him into killing his own family. Oh, shit. And, and he wore their ashes. That's why he's so pale. That's his dead family's ashes on his body that he wears like constantly. It's like basically grafted into his body. Yeah. So that's why he has that strange kind of complexion. Um and so he wants revenge and it's a constant cycle of revenge through the first three games to the point the third game ends with him going to the mount olympus and just murdering all the gods like literally the last game you're just fucking nailing zeus in the face and you just keep punching him as long as you want you just hit the button and it's just the screen just gets bloody and until it's just full of blood and like that's like how that ends cut to 2018 where i think the show will probably start and they might do like flashbacks of the original god of war stuff like they might even do like an episode of kratos like doing this shit back then 
and but they're gonna cut to this because there's more emotionality. He now has a new wife that he's with, and he's in these in in the Norse mythology of it, and like basically a different realm from where he's from. And, and there's just a lot more emotion and depth to so pull from. So he moves from. to the Norse realm, then. Mm-hmm. And he finds a wife and has a son, and then when the wife dies. It's him and his son now, and they're trying to meet his wife's last wish to throw her ashes on the highest mountain on Jotunheim, uh, which is a different realm from where they're in in Midgar. And so, him and it's him and his son connecting and building this bond boy. of a relationship. Yes, a lot of boy, but um, really powerful shit. Like this, this, that could be a really fantastic show if they knock it out the park. But if they start with the first kind of <laughs> it's gonna you know be what, different. <laughs> you can't. You know do what they that. could do? They could. Uh, they could start with what Kratos did before he ended up in the Norse realm. Because there's like in the comic, there's like a whole prequel comic to the God, of, the new God of War games, where mm-hmm. he's in Egypt and he's fighting like the Egyptian, uh, one of like the Egyptian gods of death or something like that. Mm. Um, and they, like Corey, Corey Barlog, he talked about like decide, having decided like. Uh, if he wanted to make the new games about the Norse pantheon or the Egyptian pantheon. So obviously he just settled on Norse, but yeah. they kind of made like a couple of, I think it's like only like three issues. The comic is mm. um, with him in Egypt, but they could do more of that. Like, at, because the way God of War three ends is with him fricking, you know, in a cliffhanger, him stabbing yeah. himself with the fricking um, blade of Olympus to release hope back to the world and everything. Mm. Um, because he finally regrets all the shit that he done when he sees fucking how he destroyed Greece by killing all of the gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not even familiar. With, I don't remember that part of it. So, um, it's been a while since I played the games, and I haven't read any of the comics. But I just remember, yeah. like what Patrick was saying, it's a very different tone from the games, the old games on PS2 and shit to PS3 to the new games Man that are PlayStation games. Four, PlayStation Five. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Uh, but anyways, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, Sony's definitely moving forward, trying to adapt a lot of their games into like movies and TV shows and shit like that. So, I mean, we're going to get more, which um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's the whole thing about the video game adaption curse. Uh, IGN had an article I was reading over where this guy was making the point that it's a myth. That the, yeah, I think it's safe are, to say it's a myth. We've gotten enough good adaptions, I think. Well, no, he's the, the argument they try to make is all the movies before the stuff we're getting now are were good, like the Resident Evil movies and Mortal Kombat movie and all that kind of stuff, and the Mario movie for that matter. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that. But um, I mean, it all depends on whose hands it in. Yeah, uh, like even the Mario movie that's about to come out, you have Miyamoto is helping them make it like he's that's his baby he's making sure yeah they're not just going to do whatever they want to do he's got his hands all in that movie and it so looks, you know it's going to be faithful to the, the what he wants it to good. be like the trailers for oh, yeah, the I can't wait movie to go see actually the look, movie. look good like i'm actually very interested in seeing that movie my son's super excited for the movie We're i'll be there just like it. it's avengers yep. Endgame, day yep. one showing yep. one with my whole fucking family very very interested to see it as well it's got me interested um, so yeah, I mean, just just a lot of stuff. But I mean, it has been bad for a while because people haven't really taken the time to really <clears throat> understand why this stuff is interesting as a game and how can it be adapted as a movie. 
Um, because look, we've done this show for a while with losing lives. I mean, you've been there for the earlier episodes, Kevin and Patrick. Um, you not so much, but you did some Street Fighter stuff with us when we first started recording. I did. Yeah. yeah. And we know how that goes, you know. So, uh, but no, one of the last things I did want to bring up before we shut down, which was interesting, is that apparently, so Neil Druckmann's not the only creator for The Last of Us. There's um, there's another guy. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Are you talking about Amy Hennig, who he co-wrote the game with? No, no. Bruce Straley. So The Last of Us co-director Bruce Straley has come out in favor of video game unions following the premiere of The Last of Us TV series on HBO. In a recent interview with the Los Angeles Times, Bruce Straley, who worked as game director and world builder to Naughty Dog's Last of Us, was asked about his involvement with HBO series, same name. He's not credited in the show. Straley pointed out that he thinks syndication of this kind, where one's work on a game may become source material for other projects, is an argument for collective bargaining in the games industry. Quote, it's an argument for unionization as someone who was part of the co-creation of that world and those characters isn't getting a credit or a nickel for the work they put into it. Maybe we need unions in the video game industry to be able to protect creators. End quote. So... I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Like, you helped create, let's say, this game. And the person you co-created with got involved with HBO and is now making the show and all that. You're not involved. So you you don't get credited with anything. No payment or for anything. Even though you helped create this game in this world that's now you're seeing on fucking HBO. He's, he sounds like every Marvel comic book writer there is. Isn't it like yep. the Eastman and Laird thing? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they he basically took off with the Ninja Turtles and did it, and the other one just fucking, you know, left. So, um, yeah. I, mean, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I think video games, the industry could benefit from using it. I mean, it's a creative industry. The entire film industry is freaking unionized. You got screenwriters guilds, actors guilds, freaking director guilds and everything. So, yeah. And Microsoft has actually come out saying that they're pro-union with their whole with Xbox and like all their studios. They actually helped. That's one of the things that helped clean up Bethesda and Zenimax when they bought them is they helped them form, it for, form a union. Uh, to help kind of get better representation. So I don't think it would hurt the industry. But like uh, with everything, like it's case by case, right? Like if the guy left and like he didn't want anything to do with the franchise and not the franchise is big, like that's kind of like his fault. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't know. It doesn't say was he offered to be a part of the show and he declined or... Because, you know, sometimes... You know, when studios and stuff want to do these adaptions, the original creators get kind of high-minded about the whole thing. It's like, yeah. this is a terrible idea. They're going to bastardize my work, the whole Alan Moore thing. Or, yeah. Yeah. or is he still with Naughty Dog Studios? Because ultimately, Sony owns the rights to the, the, the stuff, right? Like, you True. make... You made this game for Sony, and Sony yep. probably owns all the publishing rights. Yeah, they own everything. So it's kind of like with comic books. You yes. you write this stuff, you put this stuff out. You don't own any you don't of it. Own a damn thing because you got into a bad contract, or 
You didn't know what you were doing. Well, it's not even Marvel that. You also are writing. Well, what, what's different about this, which is also kind of interesting, is you're writing characters with comics that somebody else created. And we all know somebody else created it. You're just adding on to the lore of it. In this particular instance, though. Well, like like we talked about before, the guy that created Bucky. Yeah. Like, where they offered him like five grand. It's yeah, like, something like And that. it's like, you know, yeah. Winter Soldier's got his own show. It's, you're... It's not like, it's not like he was, I know she's in trouble, but Harry Potter, she wrote a book and then yeah. they come to her for her rights because she owns yeah. it all. You're in something else and you're creating something for somebody else already. So it's already True. theirs. You got hired by Sony to create a game. Right. Sony so owns Sony it. owns all that shit. Yeah. That's and it's, yeah. it's like, you know, Miyamoto, he created Mario, Donkey Kong, Zelda. He yeah. leaves Nintendo. Yeah. He doesn't own any of that shit. Nintendo's yeah. still going to make all that shit without him. Yeah. You right. got you know it's hey fun while you were here thank you for making us yeah that's the that's the trick about it like if you if you want to own your shit you got to do that from the ground up you got to invest your own money your own time hire your own people and it's a big undertaking damn near impossible unless you really generate income in some way I guess it pays to be the front man and all, on all that stuff so yeah if you're HBO and say we want one of these guys to come in and help us with this. Yeah, we and get the guy still, that's always talking. Yeah, Neil, that's what happened. Stan Lee was kind of that, yeah. where like he doesn't necessarily complete creator of a lot of these characters, but he was the front guy for Marvel. Yeah. He ended up being the yeah. person to talk to everybody, do everything, because there's a lot of actually controversy if you look deep into it about Stan Lee and like his role of creating characters and stuff like that. There's a bunch of little things about that, and it's the same thing here. Neil Druckmann. I've seen him well before this because, you know, I'm in the games and listen to game podcasts and stuff. And he's done podcasts. He's jumped on and been guests on different podcasts and talk about these games, especially when they release. And his name, I knew his name before this. Right. You know what I mean? Same thing like Corey Barlog with God of War. He's another one that goes out and he guests on podcasts. Uh, he's been on like kind of funny and stuff like that. And he's made a name for himself out of these games. So when you become that front man, you become that voice for it. You also can go along for that ride on something you might've created, but you don't technically own. Right. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, we're doing this God of war thing and we got Corey Bullrug attached and you know, yeah. Oh, he directed the one that was great. And that's all that matters because even though he might, even though you don't actually know how significant his part a role like for the god of war 2 i was reading some stuff about the second one cory Barlog took kind of more of a back seat on that yeah he wasn't game. the game director no he wasn't it was somebody else but he picked who it was and kind of helped here and there but i don't know to what extent but he wasn't the main game director like on that. the first god of war is uh david jaffe yeah and then I think the second one is like, there's always been different game directors for yes. each one. They've rotated it. It's something they do with Santa Monica studios on when they do their games, which they've done the God of war games. They seem to do, uh, they have a system in place where they rotate directors to try and give some different like vision or like perspective on, on how to approach these games. No. So, but if you ask most people in gaming that like, of God of War, who like created or made it, they would probably point to Corey Barlog. You know what I mean? Yeah, and just say that but David name. David Jaffe did the first one. Exactly. But it, but 
And David Jaffe's name is is out there a bit. I've heard his name a bit as well, but like Corey Barlog has just become more and more. He's got like a Twitter following that he, I think he's cultivated now. You We're met friends. him. We're friends. You're friends. We're friends. He's best friends <laughs> with Patrick over there. You did get to meet him. There's a photo of y'all two together that uh, he, t- he stopped and talked to me for like 30 minutes. It was pretty, yeah. After running me, uh, trying to, he didn't run me. He tried to run me over. And <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, you are pretty. You are very big. I met him at E3, and uh, I seen him. I was like, hey, he was walking by, and I was like, hey, I don't want to stop you. Just hey, got a war, amazing game. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And I, I don't know how I kept walking forward. He went to the left and somehow or another, he like bumped into me from the right again. He like hit, like ran into me. And I was like, Oh, he's like, Oh man, my, I'm sorry. He's like, Oh, you again, whatever. So then later I was looking for a food truck cause I was fucking hungry. Um, so I'm walking like between the buildings outside while the food trucks are. And I'm like, this all looks like trash. And then he's sitting there smoking a cigarette. He's like, Hey man, come talk to me. He said, you know, I nearly ran you over today. And he just sat there and talked to me for like 30 minutes. Right. You were it's cool they had they had somebody you who were destined to be best friends <laughs> they had somebody who just got like an internship at santa monica studio who's, yeah. who's like hey i just I, I didn't mean to interrupt your conversation i just wanted to come introduce myself to you i'm interning i'll be starting over there like in two weeks and he's like oh you know welcome to the team whatever he's like yeah that's me and my boy that's <laughs> right patrick <laughs> yeah, i don't know about patrick. that la- i don't know about that last part but <laughs> the might, rest of that is true you might have added some things <laughs> to this story but yeah no it's um funny anyways no, i just thought to bring up that a little bit there's some of the stories there's been a couple of stories brewing around the last of it most of them in positive light that was one with one of the co-creators the game industry of news and media has constantly been pushing a push for games, the game development to go into more of a unionized approach. Um, never worked in there. Don't really have an opinion about if it should or not. What I just thought was more of the interesting was about how much weight should be towards credit. You know, what is a union, you know, going to do about like. What do you think's gonna like? Even if you're in a union, are you, how are you gonna you still negotiate don't own your property? You don't own it unless you think a union is gonna help you bargain ownership rights of these well, properties. I, I feel like the that's the, not gonna happen. The voice actors are trying to get like residuals, like yeah. they do in TV shows. They're trying yeah. to get, hey, you know, you pay me this up front, but I want money based off how much the game makes. Yeah, and and stuff like that. But I feel like. Some of that, they could be like, oh, we don't need you. People could read that shit off the screen just as yeah. much as they could listen to you. Because it's not as an important function of a game as a voice actor. You never put a game out and like on the front cover is the voice actors for the characters. It doesn't happen. <laughs> right. It does in movies. <laughs> it does in movies. There's an animated movie, and you'll see the voice like actors they don't on even, it. They don't even have credits on the game. They don't have like you know Metal Gear starring uh, the, David Hater. It's, it's it's not. They just have Metal Gear because that's what sells the game. You're mm-hmm. playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can see why they want it because some people go in, they get you know, they do however many sessions, and and they get paid, and that's it. And then you see the game goes on. This is top selling game game of the year yeah. all this stuff and it's like i made four grand doing yeah. that yeah 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 i mean just imagine if you did voices for like grand theft auto 5 which is now like one of the best selling games of all time yep for like eight years straight and it's it's like i got paid 200 bucks to to talk like a hooker yeah on the street <laughs> <laughs> well there was that whole controversy an extra there's a whole controversy that came out with bayonetta where the voice actress there, she has like a YouTube thing she does as well. And 
she claimed that she only got paid, I think, like 4000 Apparently, she lied, though. And, and she lied. <laughs> she, she lied. That was a whole controversy. Yeah, you uh, talked about that before. Mm-hmm. And then it came out, oh, no, it was like 4000 a session. You know what I mean? You so got paid four. Th- you got paid a thousand dollars an hour. Yeah, because these sessions are like for three your to four hours. Fucking voice. I'd love scammers. to make a thousand dollars an hour. Yeah. The only problem is to to their credit of what they're trying to do is that that their argument is, but that's that one job. After the job's over, like how many other jobs are they getting that pay? Like they were they're trying to squeeze as much as they can out of the one job they do, which is the voice acting. But getting multiple contracts for voice acting and all that kind of stuff, and then you know, it's it's a it's a lot. There's only like a few people in gaming who does like a bunch of games, like Troy Baker. Yeah, his name's in fact Troy Baker is the name he played. He's the voice of Joel. Okay. In the game, in fact, he also voiced Joker in some of the animated movies as well. Um, I think he was the voice of Joker in Red Hood. Oh, okay. The animated movie Red Hood, I believe it's that one, or the Suicide Squad one. I thought, yeah, I thought Joe DiMaggio was a. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that is it. I think it's the Suicide. So the Suicide Squad, um, um, animated movie, where Joker's in. I think that's Troy Baker. Pretty sure that's right. I think you're right. DiMaggio. what's What's the name of that game? That they recommend you play with headphones, where the person's like going crazy, and you can hear the voices inside their head. Um, it's got a female lead. It's kind of like back in. It's GameCube. No, no, it was on PlayStation. Uh, it's on X- Xbox. Bought the company that made it. It was PS4. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, starts with an H. It's hell something. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Fuck, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. I was actually playing a little bit of it a while back. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not ringing any bells for me. I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, fuck. I'm the concept of the game is you're playing in, uh, like a person and you could hear like the voices inside. Yes. Your head. It was a big thing to have like audio headphones and stuff. It was like kind of an audio. And I don't want to say audio centric game, but something like that. It's a uh, Hellblade or something like that. Or hell. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hell something. Yeah. I, I know yeah. That's it. About. Hellblade. I probably. Well, the the voice actor she won like voice actor of the year at the game awards for mm-hmm. that game mm-hmm. she was like the motion capture person and they just yeah she started doing like the voice for it and then that's how she got roped into that role mm-hmm. because it wasn't a big studio so she yeah. did the voice acting and the motion capture and she won like awards for both and it's like she never did voices before yeah so it's like <laughs> you can get any fucking person off the street like she did a good job but i mean you can get somebody to come in and do a voice for you, you know, it doesn't have to be a recognizable voice. Yeah, but there, there, there are pros and cons to that because somebody I, call me, I'll do a voice. Yeah, uh, Patrick would do a voice, but I think that <clears throat> job could be a little harder than what you give it credit to. There are like auditions for it, and to sit in a chair in a mic and then be told to portray this emotion or this thing, like well, that and like uh, let's say like Greg Miller. So Greg Miller was talking about. The first time he did voice acting for a game, and they're like, "All right, give me you. You fell, <laughs> like you you bumped your head. You did this. Like they act they ask for like a bunch of weird noises. Yeah, and it's not reading a script. It's just like, Ugh. like you yeah. know, you got to make all these sound effects that you yeah. don't realize that goes into making it because yeah. they use it. Like you know, mm-hmm. they use it for the game for just 
yeah. all kind of different stuff that you don't realize what actually all goes into it. It's not I'm going in there and just reading a script. Mm-hmm. I'm not going in there and just saying boy a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's all types. But then that's the other thing they, they talk about, too, is like all the, you know, death cries, screams. <laughs> and you got to do it again. <laughs> do it one more time. <laughs> is that that whale house scream? Uh, <laughs> you can imagine... Uh, Charles Marinetta is like, all right, now you're getting hit with a flying shell. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you caught on fire and you ran off the board dying. And <laughs> <laughs> all that fucking shit that he has to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like he doesn't even record anymore. They just use his backlog. He's like, hey, we got to like, Yeah, I don't even know that you need to have him come in for new shit. He actually does some something on the movie. He's in the movie. So he does. Uh, that's cool actually, that they gave him something. They did give him something in the movie. I do remember seeing something about that. Yeah. So, yeah, I met him again, actually, when we went. To, I seen a picture. Yeah, my son wanted to meet him again. Because he didn't come when we did that, when I got that autograph. So he went and met him and got a photo nice. of him. Um, and then my daughter met the voice of Bowser. She wanted to meet Bowser. So he was cool. Nice guy. Anyway. All right. Um, I guess we can go ahead and call it. Um, that's been it for a losing lives and our talk with the uh Last of Us. Um Yeah. So we put this at the end of the gaming episode. Uh, next time we record, whoever's here for the next recording. We'll be covering probably the next two episodes. It'll probably be how we do it in two episode segments because we meet every other week. And so we'll be doing or at least it that try way. To. Or at least try to. So um, thank you all for joining. Uh, Patrick and Renee, they can both hear you on the previous episode that we recorded in the same day on movies and comics. Yep, yep. That's right. And of course, me and Kev will have talked earlier. What? But we'll do it in the future. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's, it's some weird it's yeah, right. some weird Hideo Kojima shit. We're it's we're true. recording this in the past, but we'll this is, the rest of this episode will be in the future. It's true. We haven't recorded the rest of this episode yet. I don't know what it'll be about. But <laughs> I haven't thought of that yet. Yeah, I haven't thought of that yet. <laughs> Whoops. Probably about dead space. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. It's gonna be all about dead space. Yeah, dead space will be a big part of that episode. But anyways, I know y'all got to get to going across the lake. Appreciate y'all coming out. And uh, Kev, thanks for calling in on this. Um, no problem. This is Who's Next Podcast. Again, if you want to join me on Twitch, it's uh, twitch.tv slash sammysavage88. Patrick said that he wants to do slappers only on 007, and we'll see about streaming that. We had rules. So when I played Goldeneye, if you did slappers only, you played on the library. Mm. And it, the big open room that had two levels, you could only slap people at the bottom of that room. Which makes, <laughs> it makes it more fun. So everybody's just running to get in that one room, and then you see people just going back we'll and forth. We'll have to do a couple things. People. We'll if see. We'll have to, we'll have to see about that. I used to have lots the of library. rules playing Goldeneye, but... They were so much fun. We'll see if we can't do yeah. an online thing with me, you, and Kev. Do you have the N64 expansion for your Switch? I'm really thinking about getting it. Like, uh, with the okay. Golden Eye, I'm probably going to get it. it. And I'm warning like, you they're now. They're getting some shit I want to play. If you don't have that Nintendo 64 controller, 
You're fucked. Yeah, I'm fucked. I don't have it, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna see. I'll get used to it. I get used to bad controls. It's fine. Uh, oh, you can. There's something you could do to to help with that. Uh, I've seen people talking about it. They say like, cause you can go into the switch settings and remap your controls, and then like in game you can like change your controls to like the to like the 1.2 option or whatever it is. And they say that it makes it a lot better. That it's not perfect, but that it makes it a lot better. Okay, interesting. So, well, yeah, we'll definitely try to get something together. Cause he said that the Switch is the only thing where you can actually play it online. Uh, on Xbox, you can't. Seems like Nintendo held just a little bit more of those rights than yeah. than Microsoft. Just a little did. bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, the 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 Xbox port is actually better because it was actually worked on by uh, what was it? Not Crystal Dynamics. Um, what is it? Mystic Water, I think it is, is the name or something like that. I forget the studio, but it's an actual, uh, like remastered. So if you look at it, it looks better, and then it's got like the modern controls though? and everything. It might. I've I've yeah. got them both, and I played them both, and I feel like Xbox does have it in widescreen, but I feel like that's all they did. <laughs> Just made it widescreen. Well, they they fixed the controls too. Besides that, oh yeah, yeah. and I, I could play it with an Xbox controller, and it feels yeah. like it's supposed to. So yes, that is yeah, true. yeah. Whereas Nintendo, all they did was just re- release their original ROM on the emulator. That's yeah, all they that did. That is 100% true because it's the exact same. There's <laughs> <laughs> fucking shut that shit out there. Fuck that shit. I was playing earlier. I was like, where is this block titty bitch at? And yeah. Tiffany's like, what are you talking about? I said they couldn't be circles. <laughs> bitch got some block titties. That's right. Got them square titties. All right. Square titties. We're out of here. That's a good, that's a good thing to leave off of. Peace. There we go. Later.